0: No teammate has ever made me feel as bad about myself as Jamie did. Okay, look, Sam, I understand your anger towards him. Right? It's not him. Like, I'm mad at you. You didn't even talk to us about
1: it. Honestly, Sam, I didn't think there was anything to talk about. I told Jamie it wasn't going to happen.
0: Oh. Oh, now I feel awkward. I bet.
1: <sighs> did everybody see me when I stormed off the pitch and? Big... No, no one saw that. Yeah, man, everyone saw that. Come on, of course they did. Coach, I'm so sorry. It's okay, Sam. All right? You are a leader on this team. I want you to speak your mind. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hey,
0: you know, my father says every time he sees you on TV, he's very happy that I am here.
1: That I'm in in safe hands with you. Well, that means a lot. I appreciate that. No, I still got to make you run a bunch of laps, though. Yeah. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't. Oh, okay, Keep yeah. going. Thank you. Yes. Very well handled, sir. Jeez. Thank you,
2: No. Be afraid. Be very afraid.
0: There's nothing to
2: fear except God,
0: whatever that means to you. Do I look like
3: someone who cares what God thinks?
4: You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. detour that we need to take first of all and we didn't even I feel bad we didn't even prep oh, the right. listeners for this we didn't even we didn't even prep the listeners for this last week oh, but um, yeah, so we need to I make forgot. sure we do it yeah we need to do it in like the the, the socials or whatever to prep I know you you
5: really forgot because you didn't tell me until like yesterday I know it's so yes exactly so hopefully <laughs> and I was up. and I was all excited because I was like oh okay they already got through season one I'm like scot-free this is gonna be
6: that's hilarious <laughs> no nope. I don't I don't
5: have to I don't have to do the the trial the thing board. of Apple Plus to, <laughs> to, to, to get into this thing that and I, yet, I otherwise wouldn't watch.
4: And yet, and yet oh, here we are. Here we are. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, it's time, once again, for the one, the only TV Guideposts. Yes, we are heading back to Richmond for ye old greyhounds, where we shall enjoy the company of Ted and rebecca Roy Kent, Keeley, and all the other friends that we have as we engage with Season 2 of Apple TV Plus's Ted Lasso, Episodes 1 and 2, right here, right now, on Hashtag TV Guideposts. Welcome to. All TV right. Oh, TV yeah. It was one. It's it's funny. There was like a little bit. of a little delay. I was like, oh yeah. Wait a yeah. Again. And then uh, yep. and then like I'm about to start talking and it's sneaking in. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how <laughs> it that oh. goes. So um. So yeah. So before we dive in, John. So you were able to see these two episodes, or you were was. Awesome? I was awesome. able to see them.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And uh,
4: if you don't mind, uh, for, you know, just 30 seconds or so, like, what was your overlap and intersection with Ted Lasso prior to this? Did you just watch those episodes for this conversation? or So, or so I
5: wouldn't it call to... it an overlap or an intersection as so much of a, uh, so you guys have both seen what if, you know, like the absolute point oh, yes. of, of the death. Of, okay, so this is my absolute point. For ah, understood <laughs> for everything understood. <laughs> that involves Ted Lasso, other than like hearing you guys um, talk about it on on prior installments of TV gotcha. Guide posts, and <laughs> and I didn't, in perfect honesty, I didn't even actually listen to all of each of those. So fine, that's
4: fine. We didn't no, either. That's fine. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so. Uh, y- I'm curious. Like these are just sort of two episodes that drop you in. Uh, yeah. Did you enjoy them? Did you did you have a yeah, good time with them?
5: You know, I did, I did, and there was you know there's some stuff, and I I wasn't taking really great notes. I, I only sort of jotted down one thing that we can get into later. But uh, mm. um, no, it's it's really it, it is good. It is good, and and there's some stuff that's just so funny. And what I wasn't expecting was how. Was how british uh, oh, a lot british. of the really good humor in it is um and i forget what the gag was at oh yes when they were doing the tv interview with the guy who just got booted off the reality oh, show so oh, and man. and 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 the outgoing thing the little teaser for the next for the next segment was have scientists actually created a fat free custard that doesn't make you sad <laughs> <laughs> oh it's great that's awesome really really funny smart stuff so yeah no it was uh, it was it was good and i mean yeah obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of character stuff and and references to past things that just completely you know mostly flew over my head gotcha. um but uh, but I didn't find it to be a a, a wasted <laughs> experience, and since I do have still have um, you know some time left on the on, on the, the old uh, yeah. on the subscription, I, I I feel like I probably might go back and 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 uh, awesome. and watch from the beginning. So
4: we'll see. Well, we. Time we highly endorse that we obviously so yes we (laughs) highly endorse that um so we can we can dive right into season two where we which picks up pretty much where we left off uh richmond has been relegated at the end of their somewhat uh surprising and and pretty devastating loss at the end of season one um so they've been relegated as a team and they are fighting for promotion when we find them they have had multiple tied games in a row. I think it's worth noting this pilot episode or this first episode of season two, which is called Goodbye Earl, uh, a name which will make sense in a second. Um, it's worth noting. And I didn't remember this when I got to the end of it, uh, because obviously this is my first time rewatching season two. Um, the entire season opens with a close up of Nathan's face, which is the much more memorable final shot. Of season two for very different reasons that we won't talk about right now, right here and now. But uh, I did find it interesting that the whole season also opened with a very intense close-up of Nathan's face. It ends on one, um, but for very different the circumstances. Very lost, very lost maneuver. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice, absolutely. nice narrative symmetry. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, Nathan, I'm going to give you the the floor. What are your thoughts on Goodbye, Earl? Any notes you may have, anything like that?
6: So uh this will unspool itself as we discuss season two but in a lot of ways i am excited about us walking through the season for my as well first rewatch to kind of help me process a little bit the overarching energy of season two and so okay. like you i was like huh all right well there's that uh when this season opens Um, because, uh, it doesn't really spoil anything, but as Reed alluded to, this is a symmetrical shot that I'd totally forgotten. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff that's done with the character of Nate in this season that there's a, and Reed, this is a conversation we can have as we go through these, the, the discussion of how subtle is too subtle and how subtle isn't subtle at all. You know, Mm, because, because just how strongly they steer Nate into certain waters by the by season's end there's a world where if you're not super paying attention or think this show is going to be one tone its whole run can be a little jarring and yet as you just stated i think the work is done just in some places if you're not watching for it it is hard to know that the work is getting done yep um so so from that standpoint i think in the long run it will iron out some of my feelings by season's end. But you know, these two are great. This first one, Goodbye Earls, has one of the best sort of uh setups tie into it's the, the episode title of just about any episode when Danny inadvertently uh um <laughs> on a penalty kick, uh uh the mascot oh, Earl oh, jumps man. in front. Oh, it's 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 hysterical. <laughs> but it's that sort of narrative choice that brings in who will become a pretty central figure in season two, that of Dr. Sharon or doc yes. Ter um, uh, uh, who, who becomes a pretty key figure, uh, not just for the narrative of Ted Lasso, the show, but for the, the direction of Ted Lasso, the character. Um, I will say a, a couple of overarching notes about episode one, I love the magnolia love uh the the paul thomas anderson magnolia film that gets some verbal play with danny ted and beard about Mm -hmm. the tom cruise ponytail movie which is they jockey back and forth between magnolia and the last samurai and reed you're a super savvy person so i'm i always assume you know everything uh john i don't know if you know this but at the end of this episode when rebecca is sitting in the uh, restaurant and her her possible new beau or you know flirted with new beau uh is kind of yammering on she um the song uh wise up it's wise by up, amy yep. man mm-hmm. is playing and that is a song off of the magnolia soundtrack and so it's ah. clear they are playing with that trope which i love that soundtrack and have a a, a fun place in my heart for that film so i really cool. enjoyed that um i don't know how far you want me to go on this read but football is life. Football is also death. Football is football right. too, but mostly football is life. Just a great bit of
4: Danny work. in this episode. It's wonderful. Um, Hello, I'll my men- beautiful coaches. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention uh, just how lovely um, and I'm sure we'll come up when we get, you know, deeper into these conversations and especially with the season two conversation uh, about theme, I'm sure we'll come back up, but uh, the lovely response Ted gives when they asked him about Earl and he tells the story about the, uh, <laughs> The dog yeah. that, yeah, that he, you know, he was just, you know, terrified of this dog. And I wrote it down because I thought it was so powerful. He said, you know, the things that make you cry because they were there and then cry because they're gone. And um, I'm just like, wow, that's really. But, you know, he talks about how they were intended to get you from one place to a better one. And uh-huh. um, I this this whole season. And I'm not unpacking this now because I would have to share too many details. It'll come up again as we go through the season. But um, this whole season seems to be about change, change and challenge. And, um, and you know, last season, as we kind of unpacked, uh, this is not everything that last season is about, but last season is very much about cost, like, the th- you know, doing the work and paying the cost um, for the good things. And this one is much more about change and challenge in many different ways. And so um, I just thought that was really powerful and meant more to me this time around, opening it up, knowing where the season goes for him to say like, yeah, the things that cry because you cry because they were there and then you cry because they're gone. Um, so that, that makes a big deal. I wanted to I, mention one yeah. thing because it'll come up again is that I didn't remember that uh, talking about that symmetry again, that when Ted sits down and tries to have girl talk, Sometimes it's got to be girl listen. But, um, when he sits down <laughs> and has girl talk <clears throat> with Rebecca, um, when they talk about what sometimes girl talk is it, and, and then like, oh yeah, then nothing really gets solved, kind of thing. I remember that that's later what Roy Kent says about the diamond dogs getting together. And I thought that was nice huh. uh, symmetry. He says it, uh, in a moment, I think in like episode nine or 10. He says something about that. And, uh, and and I thought that was really nice symmetry. So there, I've, I'm picking up on, even in these first two episodes, mm-hmm. that I think there's a lot of things that they laid down and just dropped it as a moment of itself that then comes back in another iteration later in the season. And I find that really interesting. And I'm, I'm excited to see what else they do along those lines. I will
6: generally say that I think, and and I'll own this now because listeners are going to be charting this path with us or walking this path with us uh my sum total feeling of season two was a little dialed back than it was for season one despite some extremely strong choices and in a good way that get made in season two um and i i i can't deny that part of that has to do with how how you consume it and season one had already ended i watched it all in a flurry you get that really strong feeling just out of that boulder getting thrown in the pond you know just there's a there's a whole lot happening quick and watching it week to week changes the rhythm of how you absorb it and how you process it and and you're absolutely right Reid. i do think because we have now you and i watched at least the first four and the different experience of watching a thing to um a second time and 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 keying in on some of the work that is getting done. That is, isn't quite as obvious the first time through, you know, I, I did, I did grow in my respect for this season. Some I did want to ch- throw out before we potentially go to see to episode two. Sure. Uh, um. Basically I just wrote in all caps, the word funny when I want to mention this Ted's it's nice to meet you <laughs> dance. When Sharon comes in is hysterical. It is so, so funny. funny. Yeah. Um, Sudeikis just nails that. And then in the same scene, when, uh, uh, Dr. Sharon lays out her bona fides, and Brendan Hunt as Beard's response, his facial expression, this just slack jawed look is—it's so, it's <laughs> it's, so
4: funny. It's wonderful. Um, I want to mention no, that's fantastic. I want to mention this is my last note uh, on uh, episode one. And that is uh, Roy's shout up to Rebecca about her, the guy oh, that she's great. dating. Yep. And <clears> he <throat> says, like, come on, just like, you're, yeah, he's fine. He's perfectly fine. You deserve deserves- someone who
6: makes you feel like you've been struck by lightning. That's the I, one I turned into like a Scott, a Scott that's, there for a second. That, that, that's Don't you one. dare
4: settle for fine. Yeah. Don't you dare great. settle for fine. I just thought, th- I just thought that was wonderful. I, I just thought that was really uh, affecting mm-hmm. and especially considering. And again, John, you won't know this yet, but especially considering some of where Rebecca's narrative in this season goes, I just thought, wow, that's the, uh, that's really fantastic. Um, So yeah, that's all I had, which is,
6: if- which is also easy. That lovely sentiment is also easy to pair with our boy, Jamie Tart's final, comment of the, of the episode i'm the i'm the island's top scorer sexually Shall <laughs> i actually wrote it s-e-x-s-h-u-l-a-y sexually. wow yeah. wow
5: that it's good old phonetic jamie tart, phonetic
4: jamie tart. Uh, yeah i get it johnny you got any any
6: more episode one notes that you want to share
4: so
5: i mean it, it's sort of a more surface thing but it, it is something <laughs> it, it's a it's a point that just sort of illustrates i guess uh the sort of thing that I that I already appreciate about the show uh, when 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 it's it's coming up to that penalty kick, mm-hmm. the fateful penalty kick um, when they're when they're gearing up for it, you see that that pigeon or that bird, you know, sort of sort of flutter down to the field mm-hmm. and and it, it and it got my attention and it was it was a, it was an effective bit of foreshadowing that sort of draws you. Know, I was like, oh, okay something something's gonna happen <laughs> with this bird like i know yeah, it yeah, already yeah. Yeah. and look here and, look here and uh and you know and then first as the as the dog was chasing it i thought i thought oh he's gonna he's gonna kick the ball like through the bird you know or something <laughs> nope. or nope. something like that <laughs> and you know they're gonna win but it's gonna be the sort of like horrible like feathery Poof of 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 whatever, oh and, uh, but yeah. Then that's not what happened. And it was even it was even
6: funny.
4: Or <laughs> Oh, it's funny. Or it's sometimes
6: tragedy high. is comedy. Yeah. So
5: anyway. football
4: is life, and football is death, and football is football, but mostly football is football life. Is life. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. Oh, so God.
6: episode two is called lavender, and again, I do want to throw this out that. You know, this will be the drumbeat Nathan is on me, Nathan, uh, about Nathan Shelley, our former kit man turned assistant coach, because, because this is Reed and I just had this text (laughs) back and forth today when, when I made a suggestion of a thing and Reed said, well, the reason we didn't make that choice was a month ago you said let's make a different choice of Nathan effectively what my sweet friend was trying to say Nathan you are contradicting yourself and and I was trying to be like well yeah but that doesn't matter this is how I feel now and and how that how that exchange ended was hey Reed just always remember I'm a feeler first before I'm a thinker and episode or uh, season two had made me feel certain ways that I wasn't sure how I felt about those feelings. And now that I can rewatch it with my thinking cap on you're I'm much more dialed in on some choices that are made. One of them literally being the name of the episode and mm-hmm. I'm watching it. And then when it comes back up and John, you might recall, you just watched this uh, uh, when will the new kit, man, young kid has mm-hmm. washed the laundry in <laughs> lavender detergent. And he's so proud of himself. He is, and Nate is so not very happy at all. And I was just like, okay, the architecture of this, this season is in plain sight, if you know to look at it. And oh, okay. naming this episode, Lavender, is a big, fat, neon sign saying, mm-hmm. guess what, guess what, guess what? This is kind of what we're doing Something's here. What were you going to say, John?
5: No, just the uh, when <laughs> when he went to get that kid in the laundry room, and said come here and then and then rushes off ahead of them and closes every door behind <laughs> oh, yeah. him and yeah. so then when he finally gets to the door that he needs to get to to talk to the guy it's like yeah come in
4: <laughs> oh my gosh yep no it's <laughs> some amazing physical comedy there. <laughs> i feel like that uh is really astute you observing the the episode title because yeah, these first two episodes really did zone me in of like, okay, yep, this was, this was not a late in the game plan. This thing, right. when they arced this season, they knew exactly where they were going to land. And every mm-hmm. single puzzle piece was, le- not every single puzzle piece, there's more characters than just Nathan Shelley, but there's lots of things that to the way you just said it, Nathan, like, if you know to look for them, oh, man. it was, it was there uh, the whole way through. Um
5: I think oh, I'll love- now I
4: sorry. Oh go ahead John. No no no. Oh no,
5: like now I really now I really want to to go back and and watch the whole thing because writing like r- that kind of writing is something that I love. And mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you guys have heard of or read uh, a book called The Name of the Wind
4: name of the hmm. wind uh, I've heard of it uh, wait a second I, that
5: the- you, you probably heard of it from me because if you've talked oh. to me at all like you can't you, you can't be around me for more than a few hours at a time without me needing to compulsively uh, just ejaculate my love for <laughs> Sorry <No. laughs> i mean hey you know I was, I, 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 it's all
4: right I, we're all friends I was here
5: really that's i right. was really looking for a different word and, it <laughs> that's okay. and
4: it's okay it, it found you it's, yeah <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes the word is just there and it's just yeah, like sometimes, it's lavender. sometimes it's like just, it's yeah. just the one guess but what like, this is where we're going is,
5: but that's it's a it's there's actually a trilogy the third book is still on its way but mm. when you, you can't really see The way, just how smart the writing of these books are, until you've read them both, and then read them again, Mm -hmm. and then probably also read them a third or fourth time. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. because there's all this stuff that's like really subtly seeded through the 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 story, and and if you're saying that kind of that kind of writing is present here, then that's a that's a big,
4: a big hook for me. Absolutely. And one more one more thing that they layer in that uh, holds. Uh, profound implications uh, for some things later in the season, sometimes not so subtle, sometimes uh, pretty subtle is all the dad conversation. There's a lot of dad oh, conversation yeah. in episode sure. two and uh, specifically like when uh, Jamie and Ted are sitting at the bar and they're talking about mm-hmm. dad stuff and right. that's, that's going to come back later in. Uh, but also the oh. idea of Sam's supportive dad and that being why Ted's like, Hmm. We need to give da- Jamie another chance because mm-hmm, knowing mm-hmm. how Sam's dad was with him, and and uh, dad stuff is going to come back up in in like I said in some subtle ways and some not so subtle ways. Dad stuff is going to come up, and and I think is really a central consideration uh, in terms of what is happening with these characters uh, is their relationship to their father, uh, their respective fathers, and so I'd, yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty impressive. I, I got to say I do well, love in this
6: episode the Ted Sharon first mm-hmm. kind of uh conflict might be the wrong word but it, at least structure story structure story structure yeah. is conflict um you know and she's just like this is interesting this is how you connect with people <laughs> it's disarming and he is he has stopped in his tracks mm-hmm. and and that mm-hmm. is one of the things I do love about the show is it knows the character of Ted. And knows Mm -hmm. this isn't like you you can't um even an audience will only abide his version of of being to a certain degree until Mm -hmm. you kind of have to reckon with it in a real world setting because the show despite being kind of fantastical in its aspirational aspects still wants it to be a real world that these Mm -hmm. characters occupy Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do like that Sharon becomes kind of the fly and the ointment for Ted, who, who clearly is wriggling underneath her, the the gaze of Sauron, as it were. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jamie, I'm not just a loser; I'm the loser. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh my gosh, he is so um wow. drifting through his life right now. It's I got to say, <laughs> until. I know what comes later in the season. Um, I was a little upset when I first watched episode two that Ted brought Jamie back. Cause I was like, man, he succumbed. It was like, he betrayed Sam, all this other kind of stuff. But, um, I'm just talking about when I first ended season two on my first viewing. I don't feel oh, that when way. You now. Ended season two. Uh, sorry, Episode two. When I ended episode two, the very first time I watched it, I was a little upset. I was like, what are you doing, man? Now, like, why are you bringing it back? Clarify for
6: me. Because... The the bar scene, Ted says no, like he correct he, right yeah. So it's episode three. I'm pretty sure that he that he relents.
4: No, no, no. it's at, it's the, at end the end of at episode the end of this So what's episode, yeah? What's because the final I was surprised beat? by it. I as can't well. remember. Yeah, so what happens is here's the sequence, and here's why I was initially mad at Ted. I'm not mad at him anymore. <laughs> why <laughs> was it? Why was it? Out. <laughs> why I was initially <laughs> mad at Ted is Jamie and the bar talk about it. He says no. Right. He says uh uh-uh. uh, and then. Later on, the guys in the locker room see a photo from the three bar patrons who had yes. snapped a photo of Jamie and Ted, and so then that prompts Sam to be furious at Ted right, and even right. cuss at him on the on the field. So then yeah. later, how Sam how Ted finds out that Sam's got a supportive father is because when Sam confronts him about it, Ted's like, "I told Jamie it wasn't going to happen. I told right. Jamie that, you know that, that this was no." And so Sam is like, okay, good. You know, my dad told me I feel safe with you, everything like that. Yep. And then he, you know, Sam wanders off. Well, then it is the very next scene that Ted gets together with the diamond dogs. And he's like, nope, Sam convinced me that we need to give Jamie another chance. And they start oh, talking okay. about it. <laughs> and he even, and uh, Beard even says like, he's a poop in a punch bowl, you know, like, and so they th- that whole thing is sort of being talked about. And then they are up in, it's actually a really funny line that I was going to shout out. Um, when Sharon is like, thank you for the gift basket of, of bottled water. Um, uh, and then Rebecca's like, well, I know you don't eat sugar. And then Keith is like, there's lots of things that don't have sugar besides water. It's <laughs> <I just> <laughs> really funny line. But, um, then they are watching. They are all watching at the, it's the final moment of episode two. They're all watching from the owner's box looking down on the field as Jamie makes his way out on the stage. Ted does nothing. He's got his hands in his pockets. There's nothing. Nate sure has a a reaction. He has a a facial reaction. And the final I think shot of it is Sam looking back at Ted and shaking his head very much like, you just lied to me, man. Like you just told me you told him no and then now here Mm -hmm. he is. Um, So yeah, that is absolutely how episode two ends is uh, Ted brings Jamie back. Yeah,
6: I do love the moment where Ted thinks Sharon is moving closer in the stands. Than she really is. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, she's definitely getting closer. And then back, <laughs> she's like three rows up from what she was. That's like, funny. Oh man, it's really, really funny. Um, that's all my notes on uh, on episode two. Uh, do either of you have anything else? I'm good. I did. I did have one thing.
7: You know, in that encounter that he had with with uh, Doctor Sharon or Doctor Sharon, um, <laughs> <laughs> he said something. He had a little, uh, one of those little, little mini monologues that I feel like is probably his, like, that's kind of his like shtick, right? That's something mm-hmm. that he does all the time. With um, when he, when he told her about, she said she doesn't eat sugar, uh, because, you know, she doesn't like what it does to her. And he says you know, I'm the same way with video games. It's something in my life that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. but then I pretend that preventing myself from having them is somehow making my life better. And in reality, right. all I'm doing is depriving myself of something that makes me happy, instead of attempting to adjust my relationship to it. Yeah, and that that just, that kind of made me think. I, I think that in in uh, in evangelical circles, especially, mm. um, we do a lot of that kind mm. of thing, where where we, we we sort of lack this this sense that if too much of a good thing is a bad thing then any of that good thing probably yes. is also a bad thing too right yes.
4: you do know you're on
6: the horror <laughs> you know? movie podcast right <laughs> yes it's so true <laughs> so true yeah absolutely yeah no, but
7: i think i right. think that's, and, st- and that's exactly the reason why we we you know avoid things like the horror genre because like if it, it, it to the extent that it can be you know, harmful or, or exploitative mm-hmm. or, or any of it, I, it's, it's, it's a Pharisee thing, you know, it's not mm-hmm. a new thing. It's, it's setting up additional uh, walls and, and safeties around yeah. things that, that we're scared of to make sure that, you know, well, I, God said, don't come, don't come this close. So what I'm going to do is make sure that I don't even come that close. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You know, yeah.
4: We and, take it significantly uh, farther right yeah exactly yeah. so that was okay. that was a that was an interesting moment for me that i appreciated there yeah makes makes sense makes sense uh nathan you want to take us out of old tv guide posts put me on the spot i mean i, I can do this, it if you want.
6: this has been another installment of ted lasso <laughs> season two episode one and two <laughs> i've got to work on my jamie Tart impression. Off pod, so that I can do it a bit more nimbly. On pod, <laughs> tune in next week wow. for episodes three and four
4: of Ted Lasso season two. <laughs> well, wow. I love I love how I said, "Hey, do you want to take us out of TV Guide And you're like, "Quick, invoke Jamie." And I'm like, "Oh, yep. well, <laughs> yep. not quite what I asked, but fine, hey, enough, fine no, enough." It you is know. what you asked. Oh, I did it's what
6: simple. I accomplished the ask. How? <laughs> Now, you know, you didn't say, will you do a particular version of outro? You just said, will right. you do an outro? And <laughs> I said, sure. <laughs> Did you said, sure.
1: Sure. Is <laughs> <Girl. laughs> so Yeah.
4: Oh, man.
1: Okay. See, you, Jane. Take a seat. How you been?
2: Uh, awesome. Yeah? Best. Pretty good. Okay.
1: A little depressed. Yeah. So, Ted. I was a real roller coaster there. I was tall enough to join you on that ride. Anything I can help you with? Uh, so I was talking to Keela, and I was
2: just wondering, like, what the chances were of me coming back to play for Richmond.
1: I don't know, Jamie. You burned a lot of bridges over there. Look, Coach, I need Richmond. And Richmond needs you. Thank you,
2: mate. Cheers. Uh, actually, mate... Uh, you be a darling and ask those lads at the end of the bar to stop staring at me please
5: Oi you're three S- Oh, yeah of course mate
2: wow old people are so wise
3: yeah <laughs> no burning
2: oh. business at this point. oh no
4: ladies and gentlemen we invite you one more time to the old Richmond for you, old Richmond Greyhounds. Hopefully, you've stopped by Mays for a pint or two. And uh, We are inviting you into episodes three and four of season two of Ted Lasso. Welcome back to hashtag TV Guideposts.
6: Reed, Nathan. I don't know if I don't know if I'm the Higgins to your Rebecca or vice versa, or you're the beard to my lasso. But I do want to tell you, you are a boss-ass bitch. <laughs> That is, is so. Great. That's the word I got for you, brother. <laughs> it is amazing. Gosh, um, that is amazing. It is here so we are well, in episode you. three of season mm-hmm. you're welcome of season two. I meant that sincerely. It wasn't just a jokey way to reference the show. I could tell. Um, I could tell. Uh, ep- episode three. Do the rightest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice little Spike Lee nod. Um, yes. And how how are how are you? How's how's season two treating you?
4: So um, lead racky lead recce. So, <laughs> so I will say that like, that's a funny little bit. Like it's, it's, you know, like it's a funny little excursion and it's a bit on the nose for my flavor of, of, of Ted Lasso or Led Tasso. It is as it is. Um, I, I enjoy it. I like the joking. I like when he's like, now touch your toes, Now touch each other's toes. <laughs> like, you know, like I'm just, he's like, what muscle is this working? You shut up. You know, like, it's just really, it's really, really funny. Um, so I like that. But I really love in this particular episode just what they do with, specifically what they do with Jamie in this episode. Really, um, I enjoyed it a lot. Boy, the poor guy. I'm sorry, who? Jamie. Um, Jamie? Jamie. He tries to apologize. And I just think it's wonderful. Like, when he tries to apologize and they start saying the things that he's done that are grievances. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's, yes. And then I love that, like, oh my gosh i've forgotten his name and i didn't write it down the the guy from holland the dutch guy yeah yeah he, mm-hmm. he stands up he's like i Little don't know dutch you boy. but i don't like you yeah <laughs> it's just so great um but so well, you yeah.
6: you invoked uh our favorite tart and oh my god the scene of him doing his leg ex- exercises during practice is just hysterical that. it's so funny
4: it <laughs> is so and, funny the commitment they get out of him I know Ted's just waiting for him to get there and he's just like, no, no, take your time. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah, I wish I could (laughs) (laughs) to be young again. Or whatever it is he says. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's so great.
6: Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. I mm, led Tasso is very
4: direct. It's like, okay, y'all. Okay. I mean, it's it's funny. But it's it a lower common denominator than Ted Lasso usually gives us. Honestly, yeah, like it's just—it's yeah. not offensive. It's not an offensive no. gag. Well, it's—it's it's just no. uh, that's strong. That's a strong word. Read. I know, but that—but that's what I mean by in terms of like lowest common denominator. Like it's not like, I—I I don't know that I'd go so far as to call it cheap, but it is. It, I mean, it's uh, it, it, the cookies are on the bottom shelf, or maybe the oh, second. Oh yes, they're yeah. on the floor. They're on that's the floor.
6: they've—they got set on the like, floor. They're on the floor. Somebody we're has doing not popped
4: yes no exactly
6: now Um, you know what is funny is uh charles edgar cheeserton the third that is funny also funny is that jamie tart is a muppet and i hope he dies from the incurable
4: disease of being a little bitch (laughs) that is a great roy kent line (laughs) i love roy kent on his pundit job like in total like i just think he is hysterical in that bit like i love when he's, he's looking about it's like and roy kent and then they lean over to him and roy just looks up at him and just kind of grunts it's just oh man it's still
6: i love that feeling of a show discovering what it might not have known it had mm. in mm-hmm. um brett goldstein's roy kent like yeah because oh he's gosh. one of those who when you start the series. It's been a minute since I watched episode one, one or two, or those that first flurry. Like yeah. you know, he's part of the crew, sure, but he quickly rises to the top as yeah a character of great significance. And just well, in
4: those first couple of episodes, you almost think he's going to be another antagonist, like sure. because the way he comes off and and he hurls one of the first really direct painful insults at ted in the you know ronald effing mcdonald line Mm. um and so you kind of think oh he's going to be a problem but from the moment ted kind of says the first domino that's got to fall has got to fall in that guy's heart you immediately sort of come around to a different sentiment about roy and boy it just it just all uh goes 90 miles an hour from there he's just an amazing character okay let me ask you
6: this Mm -hmm. Do you have a whole lot else about episode three?
4: Um, I've got, well, I did want to mention because I mentioned the Jamie thing. So one thing that is worth noting is, so Sam's dad is upset about Dubai. So Mm -hmm. Sam creates the protest and I did love, and it, it got me emotional this time around too, that it's like the Nigerian members of the team out of solidarity, mark out Dubai air but then when Jamie does it on their shirt. Yeah. Yeah. On their shirt. And then when Jamie does it, I just love it. He's like, Hey, throw me the tape. And then he's like, we're, we're a team. Yeah. Got to wear the same kit. Like, I just, I, I love everything about that moment. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a wonderful moment for Jamie Tart. It's a wonderful moment for that episode and the show and, and solidarity and everything. It's just, it's fantastic. So I did want to well, mention no,
6: that. I, yeah, no, no, I, I do think it's worth noting. I will say, I think a strength in other words, uh this will make sense in a second. I think a strength of Ted Lasso, the show, is its willingness to stare in the face of real world sports mm. kind of controversy or, mm-hmm. or what have you, you know, because because yep. the the Sam aspect is very much to me how I read it is very much a Kaepernick sort of moment for the show yeah. um in terms of activism in a professional athletics segment since and then uh the show this season will also get to a uh let's talk about mental health and sports kind of thing which which predated uh gabby douglas in the olympics but very much is in the spirit of that um do you mean simone biles yes that is who i mean okay I'm sorry. i thought i thought you gabby did douglas is did. a gymnast right? she is yes. and that's yeah, why yeah, i wasn't i wasn't sure exactly for a right.
4: moment yep. okay i wasn't sure for a moment if something else had happened with gabby douglas that i did not remember but i knew simone biles was which may have been i was going to say possibly but yes, but yes exactly simone biles and
6: olympics is what i was referring to got it um thank you for that clarification um <laughs> stupid Bavarian read uh wow <laughs> I <don't, laughs> no i really am appreciative of that um So, so I do appreciate that aspect of it. It is maybe stronger, more strongly played than perhaps it could be at times, but I do like it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm with you. That one ends strong, you cool to go to four. Yeah. 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 I'm good. So, so episode four, Carol of the bells. Now, this was an interesting one for me the first time around, because like I talked about last week, like it is just a different experience watching this week to week. And Sure yeah there is a world where this one in the rhythm of watching it, the fact that it is also a Christmas set, just felt real like I don't what what are we doing right now <laughs> um, but I'll say this on this rewatch this episode specifically, like if you let it, it really will do some work on you uh mm-hmm. it is it it is the aspirational fantastical ted lasso at its peak i mean it Mm -hmm. literally ends with a santa claus sighting yeah oh yeah and and yet in in the way we talked about on princess bride making magic in the world i'm like i'm kind of thankful it exists i'm thankful oh yeah that it just kind of goes for broke with the sentiment and doesn't really care about your cynicism Mm -hmm. Uh, and on top of that has an incredibly hysterical Roy through line story. Oh
4: I mean, man, that one is my God. Delight. It's yes, it is really wonderful. Um, I will say about it, like, well, I would echo everything that you just said, except that I was fond towards it from first viewing. Sure. Yeah. First, first viewing. I think I was somewhat in the minority. I think most people were like, eh, okay. You know, but I was very much like, oh my God, I'm going to cue this up in December and watch right. it in an isolated right. piece because you kind of can, and it's just, it's, it's really great. It's like a side trek for all these, can I, can people. I jump in on that? Sure. So,
6: so it's funny you say that because yeah, I think a lot of it is about how primed you are for what it's seasonal aspect is, but it's so funny. Our, our niece locally is a big Lego fan, much like our family is. And recently she sent me pictures cause she had completed, there's like a new Lego elf set or something oh, and, okay. and she completed it, not this, um, we're recording right now at the end of October but this was about even two weeks ago and I, I I texted back I was like come on man let me let me let me have Halloween first and um <laughs> so sure enough today I was watching Carol of the Bells this episode and I was like okay yeah oh man you know it's 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 like it's like yeah halloween is starting at least as we're recording literally right now we're two days out uh three days out and so it's starting to resolve itself and so just the the music of this episode the sentiment of the episode the perennial nature the evergreen quality of it uh yes
4: yeah yeah so i really love that and i would say on that that objectively speaking the higgins family christmas with everybody showing up is one of the loveliest things this entire series gives us. Like all of the players just showing up at the Higgins household and them all sharing the big nerf battle and all of the from all around the world and the, the speech Leslie makes about the family we, you know, choose versus the family we have. And, um, it's just, it's really, really wonderful. And I love that, that warmed my heart, uh, both times watching this episode through. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really. I'm really endeared to this entire enterprise. Uh, yes, it doesn't do a ton to progress the story forward, although it is worth noting and in this ongoing thread of how pretty much every episode drops a nugget about the arc of Nathan Shelley. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the episode in which he gives Ted yep. the photo uh, that yep. will be referenced uh, with significantly more pain as- associated with it later in the season. Um, but yeah, so if for nothing else, then that progresses things kind of forward, but otherwise I just, man, I just, I, I, I adore this little bottle episode and, uh, yeah. And it just, it well,
6: and, and to your point and a few, a few notes before we uh, depart, uh, Richmond is that again, like, like with lavender and, and I'll, I'll own it. Like my. I can't promise that at the end of this watch of season two, I will have dramatically changed my feelings about it, but I am seeing the work they did do to earn Mm -hmm. where it all goes. So like titling episode, I think it was two lavender. I mean, Keely to Phoebe in this episode says problems are like mushrooms. The more you leave them in the dark, the more they grow which is literally Mm. the Mm. arc of nate shelley in this season
4: yes absolutely so you
6: got that uh but i I can like the roy stuff in this episode that storyline is some of the funniest stuff in perhaps the season but the it's amazing his brett goldstein's expression when he smells phoebe's breath (laughs) is is unbelievable
4: he's trying hard not what to did he have an, say? an aneurysm did he say
6: you it smells like you died or did you are you dead like oh, it is dying. so funny. yeah
4: <laughs> it is so funny and then you may be
6: dying late <laughs> <laughs> late in the episode when she is um you know they're knocking on these doors trying to find a dentist and uh uh they've they've hit one door she's trying to throw up a boundary saying, I think I'm done. I'm embarrassed. And he says, embarrassing is eating so much ice cream, knowing oh. I can't handle dairy that I poop my pants. And Keely just says, finish it. And he says, three weeks ago. I mean, it's <laughs> so, so
4: funny. So and the little boy at the door, you oh, it's wonder- me too. <laughs> yeah, Let's both try to knock that off. Shall we?
6: <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, as a last note, but it's a perfect thematic note for not just the series, but this episode, and and what it echoes out through the whole show is their um oh what is that love actually which i've never actually seen yes. but i just know yeah yeah, yeah. The, the scene it has in right, pop culture right. uh phoebe's love actually moment at the end where her final i think one of her final cards is i forgive you but please do better i'm like that's, yeah mm-hmm. that's the show you know
4: <laughs> which is another you know and that's another it's worth noting do better is not the last time that pair of words will be spoken. Uh, and I think that's another, you know, I mentioned last week how change and challenge is is, is sort of the buzzwords I'm saturating around my thoughts around the season so far as I'm trying to assess it. And, uh, you know, do better is something that will come up again. Um, and uh, so, yeah, even in these, just these little subtle moments. Uh, yeah. Love it. I love it so much. <coughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost Christmas time. It's almost Thanksgiving. Those of you who want your Thanksgiving first, feel free. But I hear some jingle bells. I hear some sleigh bells ringing. I hear a growing sound of music in the distance. Like, oh my! This is
3: uh,
4: I'm somewhat befuddled. <laughs> The commitment just keeps going. Next thing you know, like, just like in a couple more seconds, you're just dancing around the room yeah. that you're in, like. <laughs>
3: oh, man. <laughs> oh,
4: it's great. Oh, it's so awesome. Oh, um. Big man Roy
2: Kent? No. Come on, man. Why won't you coach me? Because you don't deserve it. You're right. I don't deserve it. The way you play is dull and conformist. It's true. I do play in quite a dull and conformist way.
0: And you're ugly. You're an ugly, ugly boy with bad hair.
2: Say it I am Huh? I am an ugly ugly boy with hair that maybe could be slightly with with bad
4: hair fine. Cheers. I enjoyed that. Um and with that. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome you to hashtag TV Guideposts, where we are diving back in after a brief hiatus last week to Ted Lasso Season 2, specifically episodes five and six, called Rainbow and the Signal. And we are going to dive into that right now on this week's hashtag TV guideposts. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, so we're back in the thick of it. Uh, you mind if I kick things off? Go for it. Okay. So this one, I know we've been tracking the evolution of Nate Shelley as a character. Mm-hmm. This one featured what I registered as the first noticeable slight. So the first thing that I, as trying to objectively observe what happened, the first thing that I would point to where if I could see the writing on the wall, I would have told Ted like, Hey, uh, be careful about that because that's awful. Um, and that's when Nate says, in response to, hey, he needs a big dog to talk to him. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. then Nate says, I'll do it. Talking about Isaac. Isaac McAdoo is kind of stuck inside right. his own head. He said, we need a big dog to talk to him. Nate says, I'll do it. And Ted laughs. And it's very, very clear that this hurts Nate's feelings. Um, but that, as I'm tracking it, appears to be the first visible, notable slight that Ted actually does. More will come, but that appears to be the first moment where I'm like, ooh, yeah, that." Mm -mm, that that's a little that's a little difficult and so yeah it's just it it, it, it's really kind of difficult to know like what all is happening there because i know what what good people these all are and i and i also know like it's really tough with nate you know given some stuff that we find out this episode and next episode about uh his father you know because this is the first episode featuring kind of a full plot line around Nathan as a character and that's when he's trying to get the window table table. at the, you know, Taste of Athens. Um, and so, yeah, it's just uh, that that really re- uh, registered to me. This whole episode struck me differently this time because the first time I watched it, I considered it a triumph of Nathan coming into his own, and now I see it much more, s- somewhat uh, tragically, as uh, a, a harbinger of things to come that are not so pleasant and not so easily embraceable. But, um, but yeah, yeah,
6: I, I, I've got, yeah, I've got a weird. Relationship with season two that isn't totally ironed out on this second viewing. That so, this I will not spoil directly what happens here and what happens in the end here, but it's interesting read that there's kind of two things that significantly happen with Nate in the finale one right. is an outburst, one is a, a sort of change, and the change I think is pretty perfectly tracked. I do still, and and maybe by the end, I'll come around some, I do still struggle with how strong the outburst is. Mm, mm. Like, I'm not, I'm still not quite there of like, okay, because like, I can rationalize it intellectually. Sure. Like, I see what you're after. And, and again, I do think the change I'm referring to of these two prongs of his out of the outcome of this character, the, the, uh, that track's pretty direct Mm -hmm. and it's like oh there's a very straight line here and is and is not though kind of tragic Is not an unnatural direction given what we're seeing sure if you're playing it out on if you're playing it out honestly yep understood um Mm -hmm. whereas the outburst i'm still kind of struggling with not because the recipient of the outburst is a fan favorite but just because i just can't tell yet if that is entirely as earned as the change, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to the finale there. And, and <laughs> cause what is funny, like you probably now too, I mean, I make very specific, okay, there's, there's a Nate moment. There's a Nate moment. And, and it's, it's kind of hard because season one, Nate kind of is the, uh, punching bags too strong a word, but he kind of is the, the jokey character that no one ever took seriously. And then suddenly is in a sort of, Raised up role. Yeah. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I I think I still feel it like it's, I'm torn. On the one hand, it's really smart from a creative standpoint. On the other hand, it's such a risk from a creative standpoint because you are, you're basically saying the tapestry of our show, which is sitcom flavored. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to take this pretty seriously also. Yeah. And does that make sense? And and, and that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like it's okay and it's a smart play. It's also a risky play because I'm still kind of struggling with okay well wow yeah then maybe we are all jerks <laughs> well, <laughs> you know so
4: let's so taking the baton from what you said about the substance of the outburst and admittedly so I'm I'm about to do a thing or about to no about to say a thing um listeners who are tracking with Ted Lasso Season 2. If you are watching this as the episodes are progressing, meaning you have not seen past five and six at this point, um, then you might want to be aware I'm about to spoil something from the from the very end. I intentionally didn't, but go ahead. But uh, Just because it's relevant to what I'm yeah. uh, trying to say elsewhere. Um, if you have already seen all of Season 2, which that's probably most of you, then this will come as no surprise. And I'm not going to talk about the substance of it. I'm just going to say who the outburst was towards, and, and then I'll talk about what is revealed in this episode that made me more understanding of, oh, that's where it happened, was um, so that the outburst, again, this is the spoiler, everybody, if you're just watching season two, as we will, um At the end, Nathan goes off on Ted um, and says some very, very hurtful things to Ted. Um, and there is no nice, neat little bow at the end of season two where they make up they, it is very uh, – it's a very painful scene to watch. It's very difficult. And this is the episode watching it through. And the reason that I'm bringing all of that up for context is because in this episode, we not only see that moment that I referenced where he said, oh, big dog, and Nathan says, I'll do it. Yeah, for sure. But yep. the big dog he's referring to is Roy. And, right. and the show is very deliberate when Roy – and this is skipping over some – Interior of the episode, things that I definitely want to mention. But at the end, when Roy comes and it's very clear roy's going to join coaching staff, the camera lingers on Nathan long enough to know, okay, that that's the moment where the domino fell. To use Ted's language from last season, at that moment, I think, though none of us knew it at the time, I think Nathan feels betrayed at that moment because he's on the coaching staff and he's doing, and and even in the next episode that we're going to talk about, uh, episode six. There's this whole thing about like, oh, who's going to run practice? And right, and Nathan's like, whoa, good, I'll, I'll run practice. And he's like, oh, Ted asked Roy to do it, so like, Roy definitely steps in. There's a later moment where there's an active like sidestepping. Nathan goes to hug Ted. Ted does not hug him. He pats him on the shoulder and then steps forward to hug Roy. So right, right. so there's a lot of that that moment. And so and so that's why I'm you know sort of calling it out as, in, sure. as specifically is that. What I observed about Nathan's response to Roy's presence in these pair of episodes really substantiated much more for me. Like, okay, that's where the homework is done. These are the moments. And that a lot of it centers around sure. Roy being yes. there.
6: Um, and yeah, and yeah, the, the, the snowball is rolling down the hill and is gaining steam for sure. Yeah, And, and, and again, th- there may be a world where, intellectually i can see it all and just emotionally still kind of struggle with it mm-hmm. uh and 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 i'll kind of see how that plays out as we reach the end of the season um because even i'm not positing this as a as a hey this is what i think and it's a legitimate criticism mm-hmm. it's more just a there are times i wonder is it too subtle what <laughs> they're doing like and and again i'm it's more just pondering right right because, because subtle is smart is too subtle, too smart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a moment when Nate is in the restaurant when he's asking about the table the first time by himself. I don't know if you've caught this. He's watching Roy on yes. the the Sports Center show, mm-hmm. and Roy has a run at one of his colleagues on the show, like up upbraids him as only Roy Kent can. Right. And Nate really laughs at it. Yep. He, Mm -hmm. he gets it. He gets a charge out of it and you just see that moment. You're like, damn, he is, he's, he sees and maybe envies that kind of ability. Yeah. Oh, and so again, I, I, I'm affirming what the show does in terms of the building blocks. Mm -hmm. And, and like I said, the outburst you just referenced directly, uh, is, is the, the, you can toggle between that and kind of what, where he lands for the season. Where he lands for the season, I think, is very much kind of earned, and I may get to the outburst, is also earned. I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, One other thing, because you mentioned
4: the moment in the restaurant when he's watching the television, he says, I know Roy Kent, and what does Jade, the waitress, ask back to him? She says, Is Is he here? No, she says, Is he your dad? And I thought thought that was a pretty... Interesting line in light of the whole yeah, – because we yeah. know that Nathan has these dad issues which play into a lot of his insecurities, and he has come, I think it's fair to say from last season, to see Ted as a kind of father figure. And so it all is kind of – now, I don't disagree. There is a real question on the season of how subtle is too subtle, and is too subtle a good thing? like I, I definitely see your point. Watching it this second time through, man, I'm literally like, you know, in the writers' room, that was a deliberate line when she says, sure. "Is he your dad?" Yes, you know, yes. like that's going to thematically tie into all this dad stuff that everybody's got going on in it, and and so again, Roy being there, and he can, and and if I'm if I'm going with where Nate mentally is headed, Roy doesn't have to earn his place everybody knows Roy Kent deserves oh, yeah. to be on the pitch. He's here. He's there. He's every effing where they ever, they do right. know that Roy Kent deserves to be there. But Nathan feels this very much like, I think it's really telling, although <laughs> to, to briefly mention a comical moment. Uh, I think one of the, one of the pure delights of this episode or of this of the show is when Rebecca reveals her, I get make myself big moment. And then she, yeah, oh, it's so good. It's so fantastic. It's so good. And she makes herself huge. And then I love Keely under her breath. It's like, you're amazing. Yeah. Let's get invade France. You're amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's go invade France. But I think it's telling. <laughs> let's go invade France. I didn't know <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> she there. said, let's go invade France. Um, <laughs> but I, like, I hmm. think it's really telling that when Nathan makes himself big, he looks in a mirror oh, and yeah. spits at yes. it. And and that, to me, is very smart from a character perspective about the self-loathing. And that is really right. the war inside of Nathan's heart. The war inside of Nathan's heart, as I have, have grown to have more empathy for his plight and for his change, is he is desperate for somebody to tell him that he deserves to be there. He's desperate for somebody to tell him that he has earned this place and he felt i think that ted was that person that ted sure. th- that ted is going to like oh man like you deserve to be here whatever but now he is going to he has in this episode and the next episode and will continue to now have to earn his place with ted and i think that is a bridge that he can't cross mentally
6: well and it's more the having thought you had earned it. Mm, yeah. And then mm-hmm. Roy being asked back. Yeah. Kind of sublimates absolutely its role. And and so and again, I, I'm I'm honestly not even kind of critiquing his arc so much anymore. I I think it's this weird feeling. Like I keep trying to come up with a good analogy and it's like, imagine the Simpsons Mm -hmm, taking Homer's neuroses and pathologies and suddenly honoring them in a real way. Uh (laughs) And you're like, Oh my gosh, what (laughs) What are we doing here? You know (laughs) what you think is just the architecture of a sitcom structure Mm -hmm. suddenly is being honored, which, which again is fair and is ballsy. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, But yeah. So what about, what about rainbow else which is i i I do want
4: to throw out we've we've hung out we've hung out and i have two things to mention about it but yeah
6: uh we've hung out with nate i've gotta throw some love (laughs) At, she told me to expect a mustachioed surprise that would anger me i was expecting wario (laughs) (laughs)
4: that's such a great line oh god there's another line right in that scene where he talks about like this is my like my church and then ted says who knew transubstantiation could happen with a (laughs) pita
6: I just yeah. think it's so great. Well, oh. Why not you let me be happy? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well,
4: then like, well, this is ruined for me. <laughs> when, when, yeah, no, when, this, this place is this ruined, place now. Is ruined now. <laughs> <laughs> now. Oh my god, it's so great! It's so great. But I love too because you know the whole reason that Ted is there is to ask Roy to come and help with Isaac, and he does want right. Roy to come back as a full coach capacity. I love to, you know, Ted in the early stages of this episode said, you know, I believe in communism, Rom communism, Rom you know, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and then there's obviously it's very overt. I mean, you want to talk about not subtle are the romantic comedy, you know, call outs well, sure. and illusions and yeah. everything. Um, but, uh, you know, when he's, when he's like, Roy's like, I have to go.
3: <laughs> and then just yeah, gets yeah.
4: the nod. And then like the well, big run and, to the airport, to- you know. Well, before even that,
6: it's not the airport, but the, uh, in most rom coms, it's the well, he's calling out. Yes, yes They're yes, about yes, to take a flight. I've got to run um, to
4: the airport, you know.
6: <laughs> but the, you know, come on, we got to tie it back into, uh, fear of God continuity here is, uh, Roy yells F off to Ted and he says, as you wish. <laughs> 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 so great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, now, and I do like they, I will never say the creators, producers, writers of Ted Lasso don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the what i wrote subtle slash clever slash annoying moment where they tease you so bad with rebecca and ted texting at the same time Oh yeah that's
4: pretty that's pretty low yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i get it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're like what <laughs> no <laughs> certainly <not>. what? <laughs> yeah
3: what rebecca's
4: no. mystery man
6: ask a question yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah um but you had me at coach
4: that's Come on, amazing a, you had me a coach it oh man it's it so it's so great
6: well even his whole his whole return to the stadium that's wonderful I mean, it's, it's just yeah,
4: a fantastic sequence i love it with the guys at the ticket booth and then when uh they're like uh you know prove it you know he's like i'm roy Kent. like prove it and then when he gets the ticket and they're like okay enjoy the game and he's like f off and then they're like oh what is him <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love to like reba reba McEntire. oh man it's so great i love to um because we keep bypassing the moment i think it is so lovely what he does for isaac in this moment like that whole scene that whole setup is really yeah, great. great and i love that like they text roy and it illuminates his face in a very ominous sort of way oh uh, that's a fantastic moment, a <laughs> moment. <laughs> it scares both of them it's so great but i do uh i love <laughs> Roy says in that moment where he's where he talks about it. he's like he's like was that too many F's you know like what he was yeah. talking to? he's like yeah it's like the, the nipple, show girls. nipples in showgirls like after a while you're just sort of like whatever <laughs> and then you start paying attention to the narrative yeah he's, he's, he's start paying attention to the narrative but then after that Roy says I dated Gina Gershon once and then it's like that makes me happy <laughs> it's so but um but I love getting back to the Isaac moment like I love it um just what a great little life lesson, just like you know, hey, you've been given this position of prominence, you're the captain now, but don't forget to just play just to have fun I'm you, the captain now you you um <laughs> nathan offline had referenced in in a completely different context that's not worth going into too much. You had referenced like a recent uh film you had seen where a parental figure had encouraged. Uh, a, a very successful athletic person to just go and have fun. And what I love so much about the this moment is that that, was, that really rings true about what Roy gives to Isaac. He's like, hey, just don't forget to have fun. Like, this is a game. You enjoy doing right. this. And you're stuck inside your own head. Go have fun. And I just think that's a really charming and lovely uh, uh, thing that Roy teaches him there. And I just think it's, uh, yeah. Just thinking, I just think that's really wonderful. So, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the signal. Yeah, let's go on to signal. As we go on to signal, I just want to say that Higgins' relationship is such a delight. That moment when he connects with his wife outside, underneath, she's like a rainbow, is just such so lovely. Okay, the signal.
6: We've been. I played that song in the house earlier. Aww.
4: Um. Yeah. What you got for the signal? I, I led on the other one.
6: Well, what I got read is that you're an ugly, ugly boy <laughs> with bad hair. <laughs> it's true. I'm being mature, you big, dumb, hairy baby twat. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize for the uh, fruity language uh, there. Um, um, yeah, this this one is kind of um, framed around Rebecca's mother and her mother's relationship to her off-screen father. Now, something that this season is doing is is... Broadening the supporting character pool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's doc ter Sharon, uh, <laughs> whether it's, um, Rebecca's mother, uh, Nate's parents. So, so, uh, you come to meet Jamie's dad more directly. Um, yeah. so it's definitely broadening the supporting character pool, which is kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. to kind of see the show spread its wings a little bit in that regard, um, it does make me want to go check out the new Brene
4: Brown book, Enter the Arena, but bring a knife. You know, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> it's not a real book. That's so funny. Man, that was so that was such a great call out because it's just like, oh yeah, we're gonna, th-, and that would never be a title of Brene Brown book. <laughs> She's much more poetic than that. It would, it would maybe be, it could be, I mean, but the that's the, that's the be, humor of it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I
6: know I've told you this before, but there's been this hysterical and wild meta narrative happening outside the show where she is an, yes. an ardent fan and just did some sort of event that she invited brett goldstein to mm-hmm. and he's instagramming and tweeting about hanging out with Brene at her texas mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. and how crazy it is and so anyway just weird and wild. <laughs> so funny um, um all thanks to ted lasso
4: So something that I want to, you know, this is not in the frivolity, but also not like terribly weighty. Is I do I do kind of love and picked up on it more directly this this watch around was when Roy talks about what Ted has done to Jamie and kind Hmm. of the lasso effect, as it were. And I just I find that really really fascinating because season one. Leaves you, by and large, with a whole, like, hey, just be kind and everything will be better. And what I love is that, like, it is pretty undeniable, I think, given the character arc, that Jamie is a better person. I think that's pretty undeniable. And I think that Ted has a lot to do with that. That he is a better person. He's he's better to his teammates. He's better uh, as a you know just a human being in the world. And in a later episode, he will as much as say that about himself. Like he's growing as a person, but he's not as good of a football player. And that sometimes the the lasso effect or the kindness effect, like it has to be a bit nuanced or it has to be a bit tempered. And I love that a show which sort of in season one kicked the door down with hey. Kindness is a thing, and and kind leadership should make a comeback. I love that it also is again smart enough to recognize that that has its limits, and more than anything else, that that has its side effects. That like, yes, a a a kinder temperature is going to carry with it some drawbacks. Some of that may be that the bulldog you used to send after people to get stuff done might not be a bulldog anymore, and there's there needs to be some recognition of that uh, in the the Jamie Tart uh like what they need him to do now on the pitch is they need him to be a jerk again they need him to you know absolutely get inside sure. other players heads you know and um and i just love i think it's very mature from a writing standpoint for the show to be grappling with that in such a robust way because they really are they're not deconstructing it what i love about it is it would have been super easy to just be like "Ooh, ted's not who you thought and maybe it's not the the best thing in the world for but they're just highlighting that it can have some ripple effects and it can have some side effects that also have to be tenderly cared for and if they're not tenderly cared for you can get some damage you can get some um you know whether that be just the damage of Jamie Tart's not the soccer player he once was, or what we're tracking with Nathan. I just really applaud the show for being that holistically understanding about that effect.
6: Well, and and even that whole assessment uh, with Jamie at its center also illustrates a point when uh, set against Nate is it's also sort of establishing self awareness matters mm-hmm. and that. The problem with Jamie was never his aggression and prickishness on the pitch. It was he never knew how to turn it off. And Mm. he never did turn it off. Right. And so the show is showing you, hey, you know, there's a place for these types of energies. Yes. Mm. And Mm -hmm. there's a place for not them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the 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 arc you're seeing manifest in Nate is a total lack of self-awareness. Yeah. Of what is what is occurring inside of him. Mm -hmm. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the, the, the tragedy of the whole thing is he can't recognize he's got the tiger by the tail and, and just won't let go. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to run him off the cliff. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. I did. I feel like there was a, Oh, this, this also, this episode does culminate, um, two pretty key elements that become central, uh elements of the more or less the rest of the season uh one is the wonder kid yes uh, which which is both both humorous and sad all at once Mm -hmm. uh and the and the other is if we can walk this direction uh uh, ted's panic attack yes in the middle of the game Mm -hmm. and um i'm open to going ahead into the final scene but if you've got more stuff you want to pick up Uh, I mean we can't we can't ignore what the signal is which is pretty incredible it's like Roy says Jamie's not who you need him to be on the pitch anymore because you've softened him up yes I've got a signal well what is it you'll know it when you see it okay (laughs) and then they all flip him off (laughs) so great And 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 I love that Sudeikis and uh, you know you got to imagine this is an in the moment uh day of thing I don't know if you caught this he's hiding his middle finger behind yes, his jacket I did yes a-
4: attempting to
6: have it just so Jamie can see it but you know so it's not going to be successful there so but No, funny. that's a fantastic uh a fantastic sort of climax no there. I love
4: that and no uh I didn't have anything else uh that's apart from what you mentioned about like Ted's panic attack and we can go to the final scene it is worth noting because this does become a thing later that Rebecca's mystery man, who was introduced in uh, Rainbow, is now revealed to be Sam Obisanya, and uh, we will get into all of that uh, in future episodes. But uh, but yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Ted's panic attack. Let's talk about the Nathan parking the bus and the Wonder Kid and the final scene.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah,
4: Nate, you just
6: you wish. At every turn, you wish, like, okay, this is not a bad thing, but God, you're absorbing it the total wrong way. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. like these little moments that in and of themselves are not problems, but it's, it's Keeley saying problems are like mushrooms, you know, you leave them in the shadows and they grow. Uh, yeah. and, and that is absolutely what, what happens to this character in the course of this season. Absolutely. But yeah. Ultimately, you know, Ted, whom we've gotten the impression, even hinted at in season one, but more directly a couple of times in season two, his distance of the idea of therapy. Yeah. Uh kind of comes full circle with the end of this episode. He has his panic attack, exits the field, uh kind of can't be found. There's this real lovely uh sequence of Rebecca seeking him out and finding his jacket. It's it's really kinda heartbreaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um that culminates and honestly, they do a great job. I mean, you don't forget, but you almost forget. Like, what are we? Where is Ted? Oh, you know what I mean. Like right. They yes. they, mm-hmm. they throw a number of kind of scenes in there towards the end to start to pad out that mm-hmm. final run, uh, but that ultimately com- culminates with Sharon going into her office and being alarmed to find Ted there, who's yeah, uh, whose line is the final line of the episode, and he just says, "I want to make an appointment." He is clearly. Rung out, yeah, uh, right from his thing, and I got to admit, you know, for all of my uncertainty about certain elements of season two, rewatching this particular episode, that particular scene, I got, I got pretty emotional, just kind of moved Mm -hmm. by, Mm -hmm. you know, because they do a great job of just hanging on him, yeah, like I don't know if you remember that, Mm -hmm. like he says the line, and then it just holds, yeah, for exactly I don't know five, seven seconds or so. Mm -hmm.
4: No, uh, I mean, just, just yes and amen to all of that. I think that the The thing that is so powerful about we mentioned last season because Ted had a panic attack right after, you know, like while they were in karaoke with the whole um, you know, the night he signed his divorce papers and everything. So he had a panic attack then. um, so they've it's not as if this is completely out of the blue, but this is the first time that it's been seen by anybody other than Rebecca. And I do think that it was it was so lovely that Rebecca went looking for him, as you mentioned. um, and I feel like. It can be such a hard thing when Ted has landed on a place where he's fairly convinced he knows what needs to be done and how to navigate the world. And part of what makes that final moment so emotional is it's not just Ted admitting he needs help, which he's happy to do in other contexts. He knows he needs help to run a football team in England. He knows he needs help with that. He knows he needs help understanding. You know, he's asked for help in a number of other things, but this is the first time that he's tried to figure out that he needs help in how to navigate his own life and how to just keep sure. control of his own emotions. And that's a huge step for him. It's a huge step for many, many people who don't necessarily believe that therapy is going to be a good thing. Who don't necessarily believe that it's going to work um, or that they're going to be up to the challenge. And um, and so yeah, it's. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty potent. Um, I don't have much more to add besides that, but we'll see it play out over the course of the next four or five episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm just glancing at my notes real quick. I don't think I had anything else. Uh, I, I yeah, we've already mentioned the thing that uh, not only does Jamie Tart actually get his groove back, but man, that's a really outstanding kick. Like from almost mid court, he oh, kick, yeah, kicks yeah, the yeah. goal. That's just really really incredible. Oh, and oh, gosh, I can't believe we, uh, the Higgins and Beard, like, uh, Beard is back with Jane oh, and yeah, Higgins yeah, yeah, trying to yeah. figure out, it was such a lovely moment between the pair of them. Uh-huh. Like, he's like, I get it. Thank you. Let's never speak we'll of this again. We'll never speak of this again. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> no, it's so great. So, um, uh, so yeah, I'm fine to take us out if you want. Want me to? All right. Go for it. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen,
2: comes in color everywhere.
4: we are to the tune of the Rolling Stones' the rainbow. rainbow. We are going out because here at the show, we believe in rom-communism. Things always kind of work out in the end. We don't really know how they will, but they will. And uh, So tune in next time where we go back to Ted Lasso Season 2 for the next two episodes, episodes 7 and 8 on next week's hashtag TV Guideposts.
1: Everything okay? Mm.
0: alright. Yes, Ted. Everything is okay.
1: What is it? Hmm? what did I do?
0: What are you talking about?
1: Oh, come on, man. You're mad as hell at me. I just want to know why. Huh? What have I got to learn here?
0: You want to know what you did?
1: Yeah, please. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what you did.
0: You made me feel like I was the most important person in the whole world. And then you abandoned me. Like you switched out of life just like that. And I I worked my ass off trying to get your attention back. To prove myself to you. To make you like me again. But the more more I did, the less you cared. It's like I was f***ing invisible. I haven't even got the, the photo I gave you for Christmas up in your office, it's just a picture of dumb Americans. And now you're going to play Nate's false nines so when the team f*** up, which they will. He okay, can blame it on me. Well no, f*** that. Everybody loves you. The great Ted Lasso White, I think you're a joke. Without me you wouldn't want a single match and would have shipped your ass back to Kansas where you f***ing belong with your, with your son. You, you sure as hell don't belong here. But I do. I belong here. This, di- this didn't just fall into my lap. right? I, I earned this. I know you did, Nate.
1: And if I didn't tell you how important you were to me enough, I'm sorry about
0: that. No, no, you're not. You're full of sh**. Just f you, Ted.
4: Richmond down
6: to... No business time. You want to go straight to Richmond?
4: you want to take us in?
8: I just
6: really, I need to work on my accent here, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get, it's not going to do it. Uh, Welcome once more to uh, (laughs) Richmond AFC Greyhounds and uh, Ted Lasso season two, this time discussing episode seven, Headspace and episode eight, Man City
2: tv posts. tv guideposts
6: there it is sariri headspace this is all right
4: um, let me get let me get a sense real quick what is this episode so this is the one roy and Keeley are having some troubles mm. um well mm-hmm. just because roy is ubiquitous he's he's you know he's here he's there he's there he's, he's there every everywhere. Every yeah. where that's true um <laughs> and so uh and it's also like yeah, we're continuing the downward spiral with Nathan. We're seeing more evidence of that. Uh so so much of that is Not with me. No, not you. Nathan no. Shelley. Right. right. Okay. Um okay. and uh and so yeah, but I mean the main substance of the episode, the ma- the main plot line is is kind of involving Roy and Keely's relationship and Roy is just so present and Keely doesn't have any time for herself and and so yeah, there are seeds of question marks around Roy and Keeley's relationship through the latter half of this season that I don't particularly care for because I love them together. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so so fundamentally what happens in the episode is just the, the new team dynamic is is kind of working where they've just come off of a big win. The big win was thanks to Nathan for his, you know playing calling the park the bus play and he's kind of basking in the glow he's checking out the internet comments he's scrolling around he's uh you know he he even tries to make he's th- the wonder kid he's the wonder kid and it even makes like man it, it, it's really frustrating the interaction he has with his father because his father is so clearly very dismissive and 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 reductive to anything that Nathan could possibly achieve and it's it, honestly, it's quite painful to kind of see and to know. Okay, this is not gonna. This is not gonna go to a good place. Um, but uh, fundamentally, yeah, we have three. We have the three plot lines. We have Roy and Keeley. We have Nathan further down his spiral, and then we have uh, Ted finally tries out therapy solo therapy what you what you got how does how does how does that go for him uh not not too well boy that that an opening salvo <laughs> though is so delightfully awkward where he just he cannot get comfortable he can't sit still he can't do anything and dr sharon is just like absolutely uh-huh. like she's just standing there just sort of watching the train wreck happen right in front of her it's really it's it, it's awkwardly hilarious
6: well and then yes so i do love I'm with you. I don't love cracks in the Roy Keeley ship, as it were. Um, You know, weird feelings about the Nate trajectory, but I do love the Sharon Ted scenes in this. And there's two pretty strong ones. The first one is that, but that culminates in Sharon saying, why don't you tell me what happened the other night? Referring to walking off the field. Mm. And he just gets up and says, yeah, I don't want to do this. And walks just, out. boom, um, bails. <laughs> and I do think... These two scenes are pretty powerful because, because it's so funny. You just said, Oh, it's, it's mildly humorous. The longer it builds, there's a world where ugh, I know I'm, I'm, I can't be pleased. Mm-hmm. There's a world where to me, they almost tilt Ted too far, uh, with some of the absurdity this season. Um, it, I, I know it's character driven over compensation. Mm-hmm. And yet, some of it, it's like, uh, okay, this is stretching believability, except that then you do get really rich stuff, like what happens in those two sessions and what's going to come later on. But when he does return, Sharon says, surprised you came back. He says, yeah, well, I don't quit things, which is going to have a a lovely portent for other stuff to come. Mm -hmm. And then it ends in him storming out again after he blows up at her. You have an hourly rate for only 50 minutes of work. Kind of really criticizing her yeah, entire vocation right. so yeah i think i think that's great um this is i know you're a fan of it uh but it's got one of the seminal Sharon
4: lines can i share it which i think is it yeah is it is it is there three scenes does he come back a third so time? he comes back a third time so the first time he is just awkward and uncomfortable and then he bails the second yeah. time he comes back And he sits down because he doesn't quit things, but that's when he says the really hurtful things to her. Like, you charge an hour for a 50-minute session. That's right. You don't care. You know, he says this is just all BS. Um, We're not used to hearing Ted cuss, and so it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty hurtful, and Sharon just kind of takes it. The third time, she is very professional but very direct that it really bothered her and hurt her feelings, and she calls him to the carpet on it by saying, like, do you not care about your players? Would you coach for free? And he said, I would. And she said, but do you? And he's like, no, no, I right. don't. And, uh, and he said, and she's like, why do you think, you, I know you care about your players. I don't remember her exact language, but he's like, you yeah, know, yeah. she's like, you care about your players. Why do you think I don't care about my patients? And then, uh, thank you for deferring to me. This is on par with me, possibly even above, be curious, not judgmental. It is at least on par for me, it might even be above when Sharon says to him, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And I think that is such a an incredible bit of of just dynamite wisdom because I think it is so powerful and I think it is so true. I resonate with it so much and it is helpful for me when things have come into my life that I'm not comfortable with or observations about myself that I don't like. I love so much remembering that moment and knowing okay the truth will set me free but first it'll piss me off and um i just I, that's that's an incredible line of dialogue and i think it is an incredibly profound observation about the truth of the human condition And i love it so much love it love it love it
6: well, yeah and I, I love that it comes at the end of a, another little run she says self-care can be scary Fight or flight is a natural response. You just happen to do both. Impressive range, really. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say?
4: He says, "Meryl Streep, look out!" or something, or like uh, he cites somebody and he's like, "Meryl Streep, better watch out!" or something. It's it's pretty funny. Um, I will note one fun
6: Royism this episode is when he yells the word whistle. He doesn't <laughs> actually blow a whistle and incites <laughs> some um, allergic reaction to the metal in the whistle. Oh man, it's um, so funny. But that practice scene culminates in him trying to uh, chastise Jamie. Jamie gives back, hey, this bit of sportsly wisdom and says, since so-and-so is my teammate, I should trust him to do what's best. And Brett Goldstein has this great moment where he just like does this facial expression that kind of follows a clock like yes. he's just looking around the scene as he processes what jamie so tarnes just said to him and then he's then he yells the f word and storms off because he realizes what it means for his personal relationship right
4: <laughs> jamie's like i didn't even say anything bad that time yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah.
6: i do love and i
4: I'd, s- oh go ahead no you, you
6: no all i was gonna say is my last note on this episode is just how painful watching nate's twitter spiral is yes um yes. i mean it is it's rough. It's yeah. rough. Yeah, and and because you just know. And what I do think is powerful about that, in its usage in the show, is what it is saying, mm, how it is a reflection of what we actually do. Like, yes, like how much yes. mm-hmm. this thing can get a hold of us and 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 wheedle itself into our spirits and our psyches and and come out in pretty devastating ways. So anyway, no, I just think that drumbeat that happens in this episode is pretty pretty heavy and sad.
4: Yeah, well, and the fact that... So two two things that make it all the more tragic is, number one, it's one comment amidst an absolute storm of positive comments. I guarantee you most people don't receive as many positive internet comments as Nathan had in that moment. But it, this was one comment where some internet idiot had basically said, eh, he still looks kind of like a loser. And Nathan just completely falls apart, but then takes it out on will Mm -hmm. and will has been so clearly and, and obviously trying to get on Nathan's good side ever since he messed up the lavender and messed up all the rest of the stuff. Will just seems like a, a a nice kid, a good kid trying hard and Nathan just absolutely destroys him. I do love, 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 love that coach beard calls him out for the Colin thing because first ghost beard. Yes. Um, first, Nathan is cruel to Colin. And then I love the way Nathan, the way beard calls him out is because he says, no, you, cause he's like, yes, I, I, you know, I was a bit rude. And he's like, it was personal and it was weird. And he said, do better. And I had mef- yep. referenced in an earlier TV guidepost for this season that the do better, which is what Phoebe had written to the boy at her school, do better keeps coming up about just do better. And, um, and it, it, that does culminate in a pretty funny moment where he's like, "The door's behind you." Nathan walks out and he's like, "Wait, this is my office." And when he walks back in, beard is just gone. <laughs> yeah, like Batman, yeah. <laughs> he has just vanished. Yeah. Um, and and I love that so much. But uh, yeah, it's it is really really painful to see him take out so much of that finite uh, uh, frustration on Will, who clearly does not deserve it and was clearly trying to just do something nice and and get in. Get in Nathan's good graces, and it backfired on him, which sucks. Um, so yeah, that's all do I you, uh, do. You want to venture to Man City? What a an incredible episode this is! Um, incredible for a number of reasons, and culminating in one of the some of the finest on screen Ted La- Ted Lasso storytelling that we get. Um, yes, this is the team is going back to face Manchester City, which is the team that got them relegated back when Jamie Tart was playing for them. Uh, and now they're going back to Wembley Stadium, and they are going to be playing against Manchester City. But not that Wembley Stadium. But not that <laughs> Wembley Stadium. Um, and they're going to be playing against Manchester City. A lot of character stuff comes out in this episode. A lot of uh, meaty things happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just... One of the things I will say, because it doesn't open with that, it actually opens with Dr. Sharon um, and her on her bicycle. I love, I will say this, it is, I am not, I did not come up with this on my own. This is something that I have read and absorbed and learned over time, that it is something of a recent common trope for shows featuring a predominantly white cast to cast a specifically black female Therapist mm-hmm. in a role to kind of help um, the main character or a bunch of characters kind of make their progress through whatever journey that they're going on, um, which can be utilized and leveraged as merely a substitute for previous iterations of a knowledgeable, magical, mystical, uh, black character help merely helping white people along their journey. That's a, an old literary sure. trope. And this can be a new iteration of it. What I think is brilliant about this season and specifically brilliant about Sharon's character is they give her a tremendous amount of depth in this episode that subverts the possibilities of that trope. They give her a substantive arc. They give her a challenge. They give her a place and a pattern to grow so that she becomes an autonomous character who, yes, does help these players along their path because she's a therapist and a very, very good one, Um, But she is not merely that to the service of this story. And I love so much that that really shines in this episode that she has an arc. I love so much when she tells Ted, you know, Ted keeps calling her, he calls her toxic Kermit the Frog voice because he wants to try to liven (laughs) her up a little bit. And she and she confesses to him about how her bike is her safe place. And this scared her today. And then she's like, I don't need a pep talk. I don't need any of that. I just uh wanted to tell you how I was feeling, and I just I just love that so much. they really humanize her. they really make her three dimensional and I love that so much about uh, how they treat Sharon in this show and in this episode particularly yeah i think
6: I think this is a good one for she and Ted, but I think this episode specifically has a number of really uh, formidable scenes to it. One of which that bears mentioning is the Roy Phoebe scene in mm. the car. I mean, it's mm-hmm. incredibly powerful. It really is. And she's been, she's, he's been called in or an authority figure, a parental figure has been called in because Phoebe's cursing a lot. And, uh, clearly the fault lies with Roy and <laughs> they're in the car unpacking that and he's feeling some guilt and, uh, sort of su- uh, proposing some distance. For them, and, and then he just says, sometimes I get concerned. I'm infecting you with the worst parts of me. Mm. And she says a, a number of things, but one of which is I stand up to bullies because of you. And he says, you're better than me. And, and the actor is getting emotional. And, and she delivers just a, a hell of a, a line here and says, I'm as good as the best you. Wow. I just think that's an
4: incredibly wow. powerful moment. Wonderful. Um, it's so wonderful. And then she's like, can we play princess and the dragon? He said, will you be the drag? will you be the princess this time? Let me, <laughs> yeah, you know, and we let me be the dragon this time. And he's like, well, you better fix the wand. Oh God, I love their relationship so much. Um, I love the, um, before we get to some of the heavier stuff in the final moments of the episode, I love Sam's going to go meet his mystery date and it is, you know, we know it's Rebecca and Rebecca and Sam finally culminate. But it like he has to get the Isaac McAdoo haircut beforehand. And uh-huh. uh, it's just that that's so delightful. His one. His one. He gets one per season. Um everybody gets one per season. And it's so just oh man, it's it's just it's really wonderful stuff. Now I gotta say, I don't wanna camp out here too so, long. Yeah. Um I don't have many of the complicated feelings that you and most other people have about season two, about certain things. Like there are certain things that people have complicated feelings about with season two that I don't have complicated feelings. One of the things that I do is the relationship between Sam and Rebecca, because on one hand, I love both of those characters. And what do I love more than two characters? I love having a relationship together and that being a wonderful thing. Like, I love that, but there is a power dynamic at play. She is his boss. Yes, it subverts the typical tropes that we're used to seeing in that, in that pattern. And so one of the reasons I don't want to dwell here too long is because I'm still fleshing out how I feel about that. Um, m- maybe something as I watch the other episodes that come past this where their relationship gets a bit more attention, uh, some of that will become more clear to me. But, um, but it's definitely something that I have some, some complicated feelings about. I want to just be on board because I love them. But I don't know that I'm ready to to be fully on board yet.
6: No, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I do think the only reason that storyline is not in totality dismissible and and worthy of dismissing mm-hmm. is that their interactions before it's revealed to each other is. Unknown to who they are. In other words, Mm -hmm. yes. If if it had been a traditional kind of meet cute, this is going to happen with these two characters. That's that's a such a terrible red flag. Yeah, absolutely, and and really super incredibly problematic. And still might be, Mm -hmm. but the only reason it's at least maybe zone is yes. How the relationship initiates and forms uh from go and no i do think i do think that's incredibly fair and i think uh what is unfortunate about that is like from the minute those two characters even begin to to give in to those feelings as a viewer i and maybe you're echoing this too it's like well i, I still can't really like embrace this yeah like yeah i mm-hmm. want I want you I want happiness for the characters I love. Yes, absolutely. Kind of what you just said. And yet, at the same time, even though I can forgive how the relationship started, mm-hmm.
4: it's still yeah. 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 So and no, I think that's incredibly fair. You know, she calls out the age thing. The age thing doesn't even bother me. It's the it's the employment power dynamics. That's the that's the part that I get sort of a little weird about. Um, I've I've known multiple people in my life for whom they are ri- richly and deeply in love, and there is a wide age gap between them. Both you know instances where the um, the husband is older, and instances where the wife is older. But it's it is the kind of thing that um the the employment power dynamics are are yeah. But sure, maybe that will flesh out uh, you know as we watch the last four uh, over the course of the next couple of episodes. But
6: I do I do feel the need because Ted Lasso is a comedy to throw in a funny bit here, which is I. <clears throat> W- winked at it earlier but ted's attempts to ground them at wembley it's like <laughs> this is the you know it's just like the the pitch you've been on it's like well no actually it's different size <laughs> it's like bigger. wait are they, these are different sizes they're not they're not the same size no okay okay well i remember when queen did live a it's like no no no. that's a different wembley it's like oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, just leave
4: it all go okay they're like listen yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah yeah it's so
6: great um to me the two the two biggest scenes that remain are the confession scene, butts on three. And then the final, well, no, that's the, the, the Jamie Roy. And then subsequent Ted moment, mm. you know, are kind of mm. the big tent tent poles left to cover here. And so we can save the end for the end. I really love it. This, oh frigging Nate, like, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I feel just kind of, uh, you know uh uh, have a knife in my back toward from the show because it's like guys you're just like playing with my heart so much Mm -hmm. because you've got such a lovely scene like that round table confessions scene Mm pre-game and yet that becomes a key linchpin to kind of nate's ascension as it were um but i do on its face it's a great scene uh just just these characters initiated by ted who who you know, takes a risk on vulnerability and confesses to what really happened to him. And then each of them in turn have their own confession. They make It's It's, it's just a really wonderful. Lovely
4: scene. Yeah. No, uh, th- I do love the scene and yes, it has a different flavor knowing how the scene will be leveraged to a more painful thing towards the end of the season. But I do love the scene. Um, I didn't know the first time I watched it for obvious reasons. I mean, they, they, they get their butts handed to them by man city. And I didn't know how everything was going to play out when Jamie's father, who we already know he has such a tumultuous relationship with, when Jamie's father comes in in the end, all we've seen of him and his interaction with Jamie is towards the tail end of season one, where he's just like throwing things and yelling at him, and Ted almost walks in. And, and, uh, and so, like, that's all we've seen before. So then to see it play out so painfully and so, um, just, glaringly in front of everybody um it is it is a really devastating moment culminating of course in jamie just being fully fed up and punching his father right in the face knocking him down beard swoops in like a rescuer and ushers the father out the out the door but then oops. yeah yeah oops um but then, culminating in man, I said about the you know the last episode that that was one of my favorite lines about truth will set you free. One of the best moments that this show has ever given us is. Do you want to share it? No, you can go. Ahead. The 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 moment when I'm a giver. The moment when. Roy, after seeing what Jamie has gone through in front of everybody, Roy steps forward. the The history that those characters have had, mm-hmm. even in this season, mm-hmm. the tension that those characters right. have had, all co- all goes aside, and Roy steps forward and just hugs Jamie, and Jamie begins to to weep. It is really affecting. It is very powerful. It has an effect on everybody in the locker room, and I will let you share this next part, uh, culminating in Ted. Not really being able to stay in the room anymore, he has to leave, and he calls Sharon to share. I I was shocked the first time that I heard this because it wasn't even on my radar. It was on my radar that oh yeah that. Well, what's yeah. so funny about that? I'm sorry,
6: I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. What's so funny about you saying that is watching the scene the first time. I thought the scene being the jamie roy moment mm-hmm. and the confrontation between jamie and his dad i was like why it it felt creatively negligent to not have ted interv- intervene mm, mm, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like he's the coach it's like coach taylor like coach yeah. taylor would have oh he'd have been on him wallop yes that dude mm-hmm. um as a really fun asterisk to that scene mm-hmm. watching it the first time my wife was like i i have no idea what this man is saying so we turned on the subtitles (laughs) because his accent is so thick (laughs) thick, but um uh but anyway so so watching it the first time i was like golly why is why do you have ted not interacting in the scene he's meant to be the protector the the Mm -hmm. father figure sort Mm -hmm. of to these guys and so it 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 really has a fantastic payoff in a pretty startling way yeah uh, when he does call sharon uh, and just says, I mean, the the literal lines are, my father killed himself when I was 16. That happened to me and to my mom. I just wanted you to know. Mm. And there are times when I don't know, like Ted's first panic attack in season one is very, uh, quote unquote, out of nowhere, but feels, oh, wow. New shade, new shade of character here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the disillusion of, his marriage in that episode 5 final scene you know there 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 are points in the track where you can indicate okay this is where the show takes a new level you know uh, have you played a lot of darts ted
3: mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. thing uh, mm-hmm.
6: this is one of those moments where wow we get an entire new landscape we kind of didn't right. know right. existed that uh to to um headspaces Last uh, episode seven's credit. I mean, Ted, why are you back? I don't quit things like this. These are given whole new layers mm-hmm. of dimension, and meaning mm-hmm. when you realize what he's carrying around. Yeah. Um, so no, That's- it's a, it's a, it is a powerful choice mm-hmm. on the show's part. Um, you know, and it, it, it does ratchet up the kind of investment and emotionality uh, and depth of the show and of that character.
4: Yeah, absolutely. No, I absolutely agree. Um, only because it sets up the next episode that we're going, you have that small interaction, uh, between beard and, uh, Ted, where beard says, Hey, I'm going to shake some of this off. So I'm not going to drive back with you guys. And, um, (laughs) it's funny. Uh, uh ted says back to him said bird by bird right (laughs) so he flips him off it's uh it's a pretty it's a pretty funny little moment i mean it's got a a little bit more of a gravity to it you know from what they're all going through but
6: well you're trying to call out funny bits probably maybe a top 10 ted lasso funny bit is uh brendan hunt uh beard flipping over the the railing (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> when, when when he's
6: trying to walk away from his disappointment at the game's outcome yes, it, that's hysterical and then, but then, hysterical. then he just like
4: pops right up and just like keeps walking as if oh anything. Yes. oh man oh yes it's, yes the whole, hysterical. the whole thing
6: it's not just that he flips it's the oh. it's how he rebounds from it no it's so um, well it's funny you say that so before episode nine which is the beard focused one we'll get to next week nine yeah
4: yes mm-hmm.
6: how eight ends i was like this is i don't know what is next yeah appear. you know oh, like it, it has an ominous yes. kind of air about it no oh, absolutely
4: um, absolutely well the whole thing is very it, it's very sort of dark night of the soul um which is fascinating to come so mid well not mid-season i mean we're episode eight we're on the last leg as it were but it's very much the the dark night of the soul before everything's gonna keep culminating to where the season will end um but yeah yeah it's it's a good one it's a strong speaking one. Of,
6: speaking of ends <clears throat> That has been another installment of, uh, TV Guideposts. Um, this time discussing Headspace and Man City. Two episodes that feature growth and revelation about characters we know and love. Some, some questionable revelations, some powerful revelations. Tune in next week when we learn a little bit about the nightlife of, um, I don't know the town we're in right now but uh, you know where Beard uh, uh, has has a little foray into the nightlife of his new uh, home that has been TV guideposts.
2: we we know strangers to love you know the rules and so do I full commitment I'm thinking he wouldn't get this from any other guy I just want to tell you how I'm feeling Try to make you understand Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry, never gonna say.
3: we going to stand the line
2: because you. Never going to give, never going to give. Give you up. Never going to give, never going to
3: give.
4: Give you up. Thank you. Uh, do you want to, speaking of Ted Lasso, do you want to just dive into Ted Lasso? Shall we? We're good with that? Let's do it. Let's do it.
6: This week on Ted Lasso, our good friend Coach Beard has quite the ribald night out on the streets of London. Uh, things involving pants and the tearing of them. Additionally, we will go to that's episode eight. We will also go to episode nine No Weddings and a Funeral, which is uh, going to Rick roll us all together,
4: and this TV guidepost it's it's actually episodes nine and ten, but that's okay because you got the titles. What right. did I say? You said eight oh,
6: and nine. you know what's funny. The reason I did that because so I title them as I go. Like episode nine, mm -hmm. episode nine. I just repeat, I've got episode nine beard after hours. And then I said, episode nine, no weddings and a funeral. That's (laughs) (laughs) it's just one long episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh
1: man.
6: Now real uh, quick, real quick. Nope. Uh, So you've been following along for a while. You know, we covered Ted Lasso season one. We're Ted Lasso season two. You knew you were coming on and Ted Lasso episodes nine and nine were going to be covered. (laughs) Had you, what was your Ted Lasso relationship before this?
9: Let me sing you the theme. I love it. <laughs> um, I, I was gonna, just going to try, but we'll, uh, I so I loved. I love it. Uh, I so me and my wife have a morning ritual of getting up and having coffee and watching a show before one of us or both of us head to work. And uh, it was my morning cry time because it's just I, I can't I can't watch it without being like, this is beautiful. This is moving. These are people being good to each other, mm. people being bad to each other. But then reconciling that, like, there's sure. just this amazing air of, like, humanity in it that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um,
6: did you watch it from the beginning or did you get into it once we started covering it? Or what was that like?
9: I, you know, like, much like, uh, Nathan, you were a, uh, a uh, avid apostle of saying, go, go watch it. Go watch it. Go sure. Watch yeah, it. You yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard. I, too, ha- heard many people. <laughs> You know including you other people I just everybody's talking about it and sure it's this like it's this moment that's really cool and so yeah i have been following it kind of since then and uh so this was before before you guys started covering it a little bit um sure but it was delightful to start hearing you guys talk about it and hearing the conversations and i love it it's so good good
6: that's awesome well yeah let's um we we're jumping in on a very unique episode with Beard yes. After Hours. Mm. I was um, I was
9: also pleased to hear that we're doing this one because this one I I've heard this is a very polarizing episode. Oh, is it? Have you have you? Yeah, uh, you know no that. that.
6: Come on, yeah, it is, yeah. it's you know you know that. Um, yeah. Well, what's funny is I we my wife and I tended to watch season two as it aired. You know, uh, we'd wait a week and watch that episode. Wait a week, watch that episode, and I knew that episode nine this beard one Mm -hmm. i knew it was different and so it was the one episode of season two we she 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 didn't do this with intention i kind of did it with intention as i knew let's bank another episode just because i i don't i didn't know exactly what the content would be but i knew it was getting you know raised eyebrows uh from certain sectors and so we waited until
9: Bottle episode. Is that kind of what
6: they're known as? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's fair. And, uh, so we waited until both nine and 10 were out, watch nine, watch 10. For me personally, you know, I like the exercise that is beard after hours. Um, I like aspects of the episode a whole lot. I think it's fun to follow a character that isn't, I mean, I guess you could say he's secondary, but you know, kind of exists in the ensemble. Um, it felt like a pause when you wanted momentum. So, so mm-hmm. I can sort of see why it, you know, it it could be a turnoff for fans uh, who were keeping up with the story, but, but on the whole, it's a fun little Lark with some strong aspects to it. Uh, what what about you read? What was your sort of. S-
4: so feelings? what I know out and, and it's funny, I actually had intention both when I first saw this episode and Trying to prep for the podcast, and neither time did I ever make it to it. It is my understanding that most of this episode is a direct homage to Martin Scorsese's film called After Hours. Now, I have never seen After Hours, so I don't know what some of the overlays are. I don't know if it's just a a loosely a similar premise, if it's, you know, there's some specific scenes and call-outs and stuff. There's a lot in it that feels so Random that I have to think like okay that's probably very much a a, a, a call out to After Hours as it were. Um, so I feel like largely my appreciation for the episode is dampened by the fact that I have not yet seen After Hours, and I wonder if my appreciation is going to grow after I watch that movie. As it stands, this is an episode I just kind of get through. I don't dislike it because I like Beard, and I really like that the three bar hops get some play. I like those they're fun characters. So I, I, I kind of like, as you mentioned, Nathan, like I, the exercise is, is fun and I'm on board for the exercise. Um, and there's a couple of moments in here that I, that I really like. i Brendan Hunt is a delight and I just love seeing him get so much play. But by and large, this is an episode I just kind of get through. And in future rewatches that I do just of my own entertainment value, it's not going to be hard for me to imagine skipping this episode, just kind of moving on into the next piece. Um, just to be transparent about it. Andrew, do you, do you want to
6: offer an alternate take to Reed's my hate? I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. It hit my best of list for a TV <laughs> episodes. It's
9: funny. I, someone, there's a, a pastor here in Holland who posted, what did everybody think of this? She has a huge following. So there was like 50 comments. It was very interesting to read through. Oh, wow. As people were saying like, well, I depend on this show for my, my heaping ho- dose of like, you know, feel good. Um, oh, wow. That was one big beef people seem to have, with it was like, Oh, well, mm-hmm. it's just, this doesn't fit with the ethos or whatever you would say of the show. And me, I am, I liked, I don't know if the word's contrarian. Sometimes I like to be like, well, it was great. So leave it alone. And <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, I didn't push back on, on media, but on social media, but I, in my head, I'm like, well, this shows great, whatever. And so, mm-hmm i think if i'm being completely honest with myself and honest with the experience of watching it it (laughs) was (laughs) okay sure (laughs) yeah it wasn't like yeah i don't know it was okay well i will i I will oh nope. oh you You, will say you you
6: you you. uh lucky you (laughs) (laughs) are my number one (laughs) (laughs) guy um uh it is almost worth the entire watching of it to get to actually Brendan hunt actually hula hooping at the end like that. Oh, it's great. Is, is like, I read an interview with him and he actually is a highly skilled hula hooper <laughs> and is disappointed at what got on screen because they have been filming for like two days straight. And he's like, I really don't think I delivered as well as I could have. I was like, wow, that is terrible. So, so that, that part is fun. And, and again, I, I'm with you, Reed. It's hard. This this is this feels harsh. It's hard not to skip it for the future. Like if you're going sure. through, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At the same time, I don't like hate it or anything. It's just so anomalous to to the rhythm of the show writ large that it's yeah. hard to hard to feel like it's of the same piece.
9: Well, what I'd yeah. say of the writers, heaven knows they tried.
4: Or oh, that's <laughs> nice. I, 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 that's a good call out. That's a good a regular call out. Guy, but, I <laughs> I will say that like there's there's a couple of moments in it. I'm going to shout out, like, I love the alternate theme. Like, I know that's like right up top, but that, you know, very melancholy kind of overlay to the theme. Um, so I really like that alternate take. <laughs> the, uh, one of the bar hops and I, I should have, uh, sought out which character's name this was. Um, but is the one who is like, that club turned away share. And he's like,
1: do you believe that <laughs> yeah, they yeah, such a yeah. thing <laughs>
4: like, that just comes out of nowhere and the actor fully's committed to it? I just I love it. Well, that. you're also a share household, Blackie, so you know we are. We are a share household. Um, I've seen Share live, and she's legit. I'm sorry, we she's know legit.
6: you've mentioned it before. I don't yep. remember
4: much, but I know that <laughs> <laughs> we can't get away from it every single time. It's the Exorcist, and here Cher we alive. go again. <laughs> That's it. Um, so uh but then I also did really appreciate and I know this is like literally I'm talking about the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode. So take that as you will. But the end of the episode when he gets back into his office and he's like, no, no, no. The only way to watch this game is at 10 times the speed to the Benny Hill music. And I <laughs> thought that was absolutely I wish all of my. Worst failures, if they were public ones, could be replayed for me at ten times the speed with the (laughs) (laughs) penny.
6: Hey, Beckley, get on that edit. (laughs) So, uh, Uh, well, I want to throw out two then, and then Andrew's going to finish this off if he has any thoughts to to finish this out for uh, uh, Beard After Hours. Uh, I think it's hilarious the line. Uh when the mysterious woman calls out the rip in his pants, he says they're designed that way to make it easy for people to kiss my ass. It's just that's just a great line. Uh and then uh well actually there's three. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret's little boy is really funny. Um yes. and read the scene at the end when he does come back to the office and they're all kind of musing over his disheveled look, and he just says, Oh, slept too late, fell off the bed, and Roy goes yeah sure that's a thing
9: (laughs) 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 all right Andrew you got any beard after hours final notes I don't
6: other than it's just fine
9: (laughs) it's okay that's about the
6: sum of it Mm. uh what is not okay uh or just okay (laughs) is no weddings and a funeral um Mm. as lukewarm as i am on beard after hours i distinctly remember my wife and i watching this episode and neither of us really wanting to look at each other because we're both weeping the almost the (laughs) entire time like this for me if i had to put a stamp on it this is the best show best episode of the series itself like Mm -hmm. just just beginning to beginning to end Mm -hmm. serves all of its characters extremely well serves all of its storylines extremely well has the comedy has the best version of the heart. The show is so good at to me.
4: Yeah. I think the only counterpoint I would make because I agree. Oh no, no, no. Just let me talk without interrupting. <laughs> so um, I think the only counterpoint I would make is if somebody was like, Hey, you know, what's Ted Lasso like as a show, then honestly, I think I would probably point them to, I forget the name of the episode, but the darts episode from season one, That having been said, I don't disagree. I think this is the strongest episode, I think, in terms of best written, best performed, delivers the most. I think the only sort of thing that would leave me holding back on also championing best episode of the series is I do think if this was the only episode you watched, you are missing a big flavor of the show that you get elsewhere in other episodes. But I think in terms of just every single thing they aim for. They hit and it lands so effectively. This is just this is an absolutely brilliant episode. It's an amazing episode.
6: Mm-hmm. What you feeling, Andrew? Give us give us your uh, ten thousand foot view, and then we're. It's What's great. really funny is I don't I don't I don't know distances really well. So ten thousand feet <laughs> was it three thousand feet? Like whatever you know, what I'm saying the bird's eye view. Uh,
9: sixteen millimeter actually. <laughs> well, that's millimeter, way too close. <laughs> eight millimeter, like uh, his <laughs> life was shot on mostly. <laughs> fact. um, so I. Uh, yeah, I the part where they're all singing, mm, mm. that was beautiful.
4: It's wonderful. That's absolutely That's like note. I really like that part. And and well, uh, like so so to get into the plot of the episode, right up top, you find out that Rebecca's father has died, and so what the entire episode is is she's attending the funeral. Characters are interplaying. They're talking about death. They're talking about life. There's things happening with Ted specifically because he has a panic attack right before. Um, so we'll get into some specifics in just a second, but this is just a general plot summary of the episode. And then that scene you mentioned, The one of the things that I think is so lovely about it is Never Gonna Give You Up is the Rick Roll. Like, that's the fun song that just like, oh yeah, everybody knows Never Gonna Give You Up. But there's a couple of lines in there that are so weighty for what the characters are actually going through like i was like as they were sitting there like i know never gonna give you up. everybody knows never gonna give you up that's that's a a really well-known song but then like never gonna run around which is very much what rebecca's you know conflicted with about her father never gonna desert you which ted knows that he's you know that he he has these abandonment issues because of his father's suicide and everything and so it's there's so much in the song never going to give you up and in the actual lyrics of it that have gravity and weight to it. it is a perfect inclusion for it it's not just oh we're gonna insert a fun 80s song that everybody knows there is so much narrative gravity to it and i think that's really impressive so yeah well I, I and to that. your point what is
6: what is a drumbeat of the character ted lasso that comes to a head there is quitting slash giving up and, yeah absolutely and rebecca's concern that uh, you know kind of th- that 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 give you up, sort of energy is is all over it. Mm. Never gonna oh, that's give. Amazing. It. That's, oh, that's so great. That's <laughs> when she yeah. says, "I thought he was a black man," that's hysterical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's look at some specifics from that episode, as Nathan.
4: Sure. Notes here. Can I lead with one? Since Please. you're looking at your notes, um, um, I'm calling it. I'm not talking about it yet because we'll <clears> talk <throat> about it in the finale conversation but it is really worth noting. I noticed it here and was not paying as much attention to it in the first go round that, uh, while Ted is getting dressed to easy lover, Mm -hmm. the camera lingers. Oh, it's a great song. Um, the camera lingers on his dresser. Where Mm -hmm. is the picture that Nathan had given him for, uh, Christmas. Mm. And it's the picture of him that he'd like, you know, signed and everything. And Ted has it prominently featured in his home uh, right there on his dresser. Um, so it is very much a treasured thing to him without getting into the finale conversation right now, that will become a talking point of the finale. Um, and it was just so subtle in the way they just sort of lingered on it for a second, showed you, Hey, it's right there. And then they moved on with the episode. So I wanted to call it out in these conversations just to say like, yep, that picture is going to come up again. Mm-hmm. Um,
6: Andrew, yeah. do you have any specific lines, notes, favorite bi- beats from this episode?
9: I think the way it progresses, I think it's Rebecca and Rupert's kind of dynamic a little bit uh-huh. too. I think in that, I, I yeah. just that whole arc of them and how, and you know, this is just moving it along. In that, like, man, it's it's hard. It's it's sad but beautiful, and it, like it's. Mm. I think a lot of the a lesser show. Would take easy stabs at things, but this sits with more com- more complexity, I think, and I really like yeah. about it. And yeah, um, just that was the that's the other. So the singing part and just um, and, oh, in and the way that Sam uh, and Rebecca to that whole, day, mm. goodness, it's like oh gosh, <laughs> and this, oh, no. this, this the one where he says like I, I think this is I think the correct part where he says um, I'm only gonna get more
4: more calm. yeah. More wonderful yeah
6: well in that same scene i love his (laughs) (laughs) oh no i hate big butts and i cannot lie (laughs) that's hysterical that's hysterical scripting there uh a few a few fun drops for me are uh (laughs) jamie these suits aren't made for people like us made for sheep (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> made for muggles. Made for twats. <laughs> I'm made for muggles. <laughs> oh my
0: god, it's so funny. This
6: is so funny. Uh, there's that. Um, I find it hysterical when the ladies are going nuts over Rebecca and Sam. It's hysterical. Like that's wonderful. Yes, sassy. The mom's not in there yet.
4: No, the mom's in remember.
6: there.
9: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
6: Yeah, but The like, mom's part of it. Keely, Nora, sassy, the mom. They're all shrieking. It's, it's that's it's hysterical. Great.
4: Oh no, um, it's really great um uh, yeah what buried. uh so uh bringing it down a little bit, I oh, would boy. say, well, no, just down in terms of like it it's amazing in terms of the interplay it's just heavy emotionally It's when Rebecca is talking about finding her father having cheated, interplayed with Ted talking about finding his father dead, hmm. and um. That, that whole thing. I mean, it, it's powerhouse acting from, uh, Sudeikis and Waddingham. Like it, it is really incredible in terms of scripting because, you know, many, many shows have before sort of interplayed where the scenes pick up and it feels like it's a seamless conversation. Um, and so this, this does that, but it's, it's all about this profound delusionment with this parental figure that you, you know look so much to to pour into your identity and pour into the direction for your life the stability of the world around you um and them each in turn describing the way that shattered for them was really profound to watch um and it's it's just an absolutely powerful moment uh in turn i just i yeah i i I love i love that scene even though yeah that's a that whole scene will just like rip the tears right out of you it's 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 pretty heavy but i love it yeah
6: it's an incredible scene um well i'll, I'll say it it's a spoiler alert for next week to me it's the best scene of the whole show the series period like that that one scene, the way that yeah. the way that's constructed the way it's delivering on character that because i'll say this for me it's 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 a, a, a mild drum beat i've developed with my relationship to season two some of the Tedisms in season two to me get a little cloying um and a little strong and i think it's it's scenes like that that reassert for me okay this is a trustworthy show for what it's doing with its characters yeah. uh it it knows what it's doing it's yeah the 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 character work done in that scene and not even just the character work but from a production level you mentioned it reed but the it puts adjacent stories that on their own you wouldn't have necessarily put adjacent you know right right it's yes it's about parental uh, trauma or or the trauma of children and and their experience with their parents but the stories in and of themselves are relatively different but the way mm-hmm. it's written the way it's edited yeah it's a fantastic scene
4: yeah it's wonderful uh, yeah are we done with ted I uh, i think so I think that's it.
6: <clears throat> this has been another installment of uh, TV posts. Uh, it's a segment on our show uh, made for people like us, not for sheep or muggles or twats. None of them. Uh, but it has been episodes nine and nine of season two of Ted Lasso. Tune in. My co-hosts did not catch that joke. Uh, tune in next week for the finale conversation of Ted Lasso
4: season two. What do you mean? All we right. didn't catch that joke. We're not you didn't laughing over to t- it. There's not. You're not. We're, you didn't. We're not. I laughing laughing
6: episodes over. nine and
4: nine. That's OK. Sure. You're allowed to. <laughs> you're
6: yeah, allowed
4: yeah, I'm allowed. Um, I'm allowed to what? I'm allowed to miss things you say. Happens all the time.
6: No, no, that's
1: not. <laughs> <you must> <laughs> if you had any comments on Earl, the dog Danny Ruck has killed today. Mm. Trent Cram, bring that heat. <laughs> Well, when I was three years old, I got attacked by our neighbor's dog. I don't remember it happening, but my mother said it was pretty, pretty scary, you know. I do remember being afraid of dogs while growing up, though. Like if I was at a friend's house for a sleepover or something, they'd have to keep their family dog outside, otherwise I'd bawl my eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) Then in high school, our neighbor, Mr. Grady, well, his, his wife passed away. And he was real sad about that, as you can imagine. And he just kind of stopped taking care of their dog. Same one that bit me, his name was Hank. And so I started looking after him, you know, feeding him, taking him on walks, playing fetch, all that fun stuff. Eventually Mr. Grady's son moved his dad into a nursing home and he asked if I wanted to keep Hank. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah. And then a year or so after that, we had to put Hank to sleep. It's funny to think about the things in your life that can make you cry just knowing that they existed can then become the same thing that make you cry knowing that they're now gone. I think those things come into our lives helps get from one place to a better one. And I hope we helped Earl do just that. We're going to miss around here a whole bunch.
4: You're both recommending uh, music, and I'm about to – oh, man, I can't believe I'm about to – I'm just going to go for it. So here's the deal. I um, – at, at, at two distinct times in my life, now three, I have uh, been a very big fan, fan to the degree to where I would watch it on a regular basis um, – And it's only happened like three times in my life. The first was when I was a very young kid, kind of growing up, uh, maybe the mid-ish to late 80s, like 87 to 89 era. Um, And then also uh, kind of uh, wrapping around in college, I got back into it um, and then stayed out of it for a very, very long time. But now I have been sucked back into it. And that is the, um, the, the wonderful thing known as sports entertainment uh professional wrestling uh is oh, something that no. <laughs> oh wow
6: so, <laughs> can you smell so, what the lackey's cooking no no
4: so here's it <laughs> so here's the thing so uh the first two eras uh you know classic oh, my cl- classic era was like wwe when you had like sure. you know yeah. Hulk Hogan. you had like you know junkyard dog and 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 all the all these you know great uh you know um the macho man randy savage like that that was the era that i really th- ravishing rick rude Ravishing Rick Rude was in there, yeah. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts, all these guys. So that was the first era, and the then I,
2: oh, the bushwaggers, Oh my gosh, yeah, that's it, that's it. They just doing it, um,
4: and Cocoa so then, aware. and so then I got into oh, Coco Beware, oh. Oh, the man, oh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, my man, busting out Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So. Um, so then and andre the giant poor cole oh, for andre the giant
6: read i need you to finish your story but i need you also while my brother is present to tell the story of us playing wrestling no, on, i don't want do to it's got to <laughs> come up you are talking about wrestling it's going to come up for it's, it's got brother. Up. Go, it's ahead, gotta, go ahead it's got
4: to come up so anyway so um anyway that was the first era and then i kind of got out of wrestling for a little while like wasn't as much a fan but the attitude era brought me back the attitude era is what a lot of sort of modern people associate uh people now associate wrestling with that's the rock that stone cold steve austin that's like you know that that uh, uh, the the uh, degeneration X with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. That's the that's the Attitude Era. So I watched it in the Attitude Era, and then I kind of got out of it. It was not, you know, it's not really, it's whatever, you know. That that was the the wars between Ted Turner's WCW and WWE. Vince McMahon. Well, now what has brought me back in is I oh kept about two years ago. I kept hearing about a um you know a lower tier. Uh, promotion called All Elite Wrestling. And I kept hearing about it. It was like, you know, there were kind of these guys who had been sort of legends. Uh, they come from pedigrees in the wrestling industry, um, specifically Cody Rhodes, who's the... Um, son of Dusty Rhodes and the brother of Dustin Rhodes um and you know both legends in in the wrestling industry and uh and so Cody Rhodes it, it kind of started this and I I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know exactly how it began but what brought me into it was I heard that CM Punk was going to be back and I liked CM Punk And so I was like, what
6: is even happening right
4: now? I know. Right. And so I was like, so let me, let me just, let me just hear what's, what's going on. Let me just, let me just tune in for AEW like on a Wednesday night. Let me just, let me just find out. Yeah. As one does. And daggum, but like, like here's the thing. Like over time, like I started watching it. I started and I watched it. And I'm telling you, man. Like AEW have some legit street cred, man. They've got good talent. They've got great wrestling matches. It's good storylines. Like it feels as close as I have ever felt to those early days of like the early 80s where like you have elegante. Like, like you've got good, you've got really good. Character. No, well now these days it's all about Andrade uh, El Idolo. But um, so yeah, like sorry, right. Um, so but no, What's like. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and man, the American, you know, the American dragon, Brian Danielson, man, he's, he's, he's cleaning house. And, um, you know, so basically, like, I'm just back into it now. And it's kind of silly, because the other day, my my wife was like getting ready for, you know, what for her day or whatever. This was in the uh, actually, I think this was a time in the evening, we were going to be going out, uh, either like to run some errands, grocery store, whatever. And she hears me from the other room just go like, whoo, <laughs> like, get, like, start cheering. What's going on? She's like, she's like, is my husband watching sports? That doesn't happen. She walks out, she looks at the TV. Oh, it's wrestling. Okay. <laughs> and so, and so, like, I have gotten back into it. And, uh, and that kind of closes off that portion of the story. I've gotten back into wrestling specifically. I watch AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays and I watch AEW Rampage, uh, on, uh, is it Friday or Saturday night? I think it's Friday night. And um, so, yeah, because the DVR just records it. And I'm just like, oh, I've got more AEW. Here I go. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. I'm back into wrestling and I'm loving it. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm not into WWE. I am. You're, I am still sting. You're still stinging from that? No, listen, here's the thing. Speaking <laughs> of Sting, and then, I'll, and then I'll get into your story. The legend, the legend, the icon Sting is at, at A- AEW. He's at AEW yeah he's like 62 and he the man is still wrestling he matches the tag team with darby allen and he took he took the guns i'm sure he did like he demolished them okay oh my god you can't fight the scorpion (laughs) Deathlock. okay like it's not it's not gonna happen you're not sting or splash it's just you you just it's not unbelievable
6: listeners this is not (laughs) made for this moment i really had no idea my
4: friend of 20 years had like you know
6: jumped off the deep
4: end. So like, no, honestly, like what Nathan said, like still stings. Here's the deal. We (laughs) used to sit down, we used to sit down and have like what we called Mario Kart therapy. We would play video games together. And that, you know, I have a lot of fond memories of playing different video games with Nathan over time. We would play Mario Kart. We would talk about life. It was really, it was really warm, you know, and I loved wrestling and I loved video game wrestling. And I remember that I used to I used to think it was brilliant that you could make your own characters. So if I didn't like somebody at work, I could create them within wrestling game and I could just kick their ass. Like it was really, really great. Uh, that was, that was one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. You just violated so, the first rule of video game fight club. No, I know, I know. Sorry, sorry. I'm not supposed to talk about that. Um, but when, when I would play wrestling with my dear friend of 20 plus years, Mr. Nathan Rouse, he is really, really good. At video games, he's also Josh. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but somewhat competitive. And he's, he's, you know, he's just a little bit, just a little bit. He's worse. And so, uh, I, I, I well, whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, my only experience is you. So I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, God yeah. only knows. Um, so we're playing wrestling and I'm not as good at, as he <laughs> is at the wrestling. He is mopping the floor with me. It is a squash match. Anytime I am sitting there with, he is just absolutely mopping the floor with me, but that's not even what made me mad. Like I'm getting frustrated (laughs) because I'm pressing the buttons and the character is not doing anything. I send him with an Irish whip into the ropes. He comes back. I do not execute the clothesline. He knocks me down. I don't understand how that happened, but it did. And the crowd is going wild and everything. But what really got under my skin is there was one time we were playing and I am trying desperately to get the upper hand in this match. And suddenly he executes a move on me and then verbalizes out loud to the room. Just he and I there. And he's just like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know it could do that. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, I am right here. You're not (laughs) playing a computer right now. Like I am right here. The man is just testing out moves on me in this wrestling thing. And I was like, I'm never playing wrestling with you. You like my wrestling dummy. I'm just not, I'm just not doing it anymore. Yeah. Well, you know,
8: you know, Reed, that every time he'd come home from school that we would get our friends together and we play to the wee hours of the night, that game. Oh my Gosh. Wow. And Royal rumble.
4: And uh, yeah, we, we, I never stood a chance. He was, was he was, he was, he was actually working the territories every single time. And then he would come in and I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm the baby face coming up on there. And then, then he's the heel. He's the dirtiest player in the game. Going to come right up there and then just like charge it in. What uh. a
6: weird moment that's happening right now. Because what's what's, <laughs> pretty, what's really amazing about life triangulating at the moment is Josh and I and our uh, uh, listeners, Josh and I are two years apart. And in our youth, youth days, our young days would watch, stay up late and watch. God, I don't even remember, Josh. I mean, it was some WrestleManias over time. It was. It was called. It was, oh.
8: called, uh, it was Saturday <clears throat> night. Some something. Uh, WWF Saturday night something. Oh,
6: okay. But that was Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, all sure. of that. Oh, class.
8: yeah. Uh, oh so, Yeah, this is. I remember this is great. the jumping genius jumping off the couch. The yeah.
4: genius. The genius. Do you know?
8: You saw that? That the genius is the Macho Man's brother in real life. Yes. I yeah. That.
4: Uh, Larry Poffo, I think is his, yeah. is his real name, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you just ruined name. it. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, yeah, that's, no. His re- that's much of my name. Josh,
6: Josh used to uh, consistently for years kind of yell to me to be the man. you got to beat the man. And he stopped oh, doing true. that once I that's could so finally true. beat the man <laughs> consistently. <laughs> it's like you did it to, <laughs> to illustrate just how much of a wrestling family. We were the two of us. We are in our forties we were in our 30s when we broke our mother's couch horsing around oh my at gosh. their house like that that definitely happened wow josh right. if
4: you're not watching aew i mean stings there tully blanchard's there arn anderson is there uh matt hardy's tully blanchard's there big, still alive tully blanchard is managing a great tag team right <laughs> oh, now the okay. ftr like man he's he's he, it's great. It's great stuff. Like
8: yeah. Reed, I will tell you, I do see the commercials for AEW watching like TNT basketball, and I
4: always think, I wonder who watches this. Oh, me. I do. <laughs> I, do. I do. I do. Faithfully, faithfully. That's I good watch to know. It. So yeah. now I'll think of you every time I see that commercial. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. All right, Take us away, Islands. Please. What you
2: want?
4: <laughs> my right. man said my man said please <laughs> <laughs>
6: that was just a wild had no clue that was coming yeah oh, that, was, that, was, that was something else amazing so speaking of whoa, amazing whoa
8: do you remember do you remember the character we created on that show i mean on that video game you remember harry bozak <laughs> 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 we made him bald, but he had chest hair all over him. <laughs>
3: oh my gosh.
6: This I didn't. This baby, no, didn't. Cut I, it. This baby I, cut oh no, it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> oh oh my god, that's incredible. No, <laughs> that's but now I just want to play a wrestling game.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh,
6: all right. So, anyway, right. here we are. Ted Lasso um, season two on that midnight um, train to Royston. Yeah. So I guess, Reed, if you want, we'll, we'll kind of track through these two episodes. Uh, and like we did on Lasso season one, we are going to do a breakdown of our favorite scenes. We're going to do it. Sure. So, right. But is your thought? Let's do the episodes individually first. Uh,
4: Yeah, let's get, let's get through that. that and I sense. would say, yeah, I would I'm, say, I'm
6: you... sorry. My brain is trying to recenter in the moment. I'm just so <laughs> thrown by it. the. Weird life confluence that's happening. I know. Look,
4: you you get it. You weren't expecting it. I just came in there with a concerto. I hit you right over the head with a steel chair. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <Just> stupid <laughs> idiot. Stop. <God. laughs>
0: so
3: oh um, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: man's you got just trying to the, you got the mouth of the south up in here. That's right. Just Jimmy Hart. Shut man, up.
4: The man's yeah. trying to cut a promo and I'm just like, nope, I won't let you have it.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <was your> it! <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry.
4: Josh is waiting for
6: us to get going. All right. Okay, midnight okay. Train to Royston. So <laughs> episode 11. Um, oh, God. Uh, Josh, we have been <laughs> tracking through season two because Nate is Nate in a whole new way in season two. And making note of various natisms the breadcrumbs that the show leaves for us that we might not have realized were breadcrumbs along the way so feel free to note some of that as we go uh but midnight trainer royston mainly is about uh sam's being groomed by edwin akufu um uh, uh he is a Ghanaian, right because he's not from nigeria because he keeps Ooh, crapping on <laughs> right yes <Hey, laughs> hey, emulates, hey, emulates hey, crapping hey. on why are you um, jumping to my favorite scenes <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to just get on the train right now. Um <laughs> but anyway, that's what this episode is mainly about, kind of the what will Sam do scenario. But we also
4: have the um <laughs> just take it away, Read. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> so okay, so yes. Um Sam is being um uh, enticed to come and work for uh Edwin Okufu. And he is um, he's got a really, really big decision to make because obviously he has this burgeoning romance with Rebecca that has just recently ended as of the end of episode 10. They had broken up. Um, so Sam has some personal reasons for wanting to try to you know, figure out what he what he should do and where he belongs. Um, also concurrent to this is um, that Keeley is being featured uh, in Vanity Fair. And she's going to get a, a very, uh, you know, a big push as women in business and uh, women who are just making it happen. Um, there's also some growing tensions very, very deliberately with Nate on the team. And specifically, like we've seen him have some rough patches all through the season. But this is where the false nine comes into play. And over the course of the next two episodes, it's really going to come to a head. Um, so I'm trying to see if there's any other major plot points in. Oh yeah, and it's uh, Doctor Sharon's last day, so uh, it's her last day. And the big Nate Keeley kiss uh, happens in. This oh, that's true.
8: Episode when, as well. When they're, yeah, uh, when it depends from. on <clears throat> whose vantage point that's from. That's a good point. But how how big it actually was. Sure. Mm-hmm. Fair. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep.
4: That's indeed.
6: true. That's true. Uh, I will throw the big first big Nate crumb uh, on the pile here when he has the line you guys ever want to be in charge be the boss get all the credit you're like "Dagum!" this dude is
4: there it is falling
6: falling off yep um josh what are some specific highlights for you from this episode
8: uh i, I tell you i think and correct me if I'm wrong, <clears throat> but I, this is is this the episode where dr sharon has the bike accident
4: no. no that was earlier that's that
8: was that's uh, right that happens earlier yeah what, what i love about this episode with her and ted is you see the culmination of their relationship
3: Mm-hmm.
8: and this is pinball at the bar yeah yeah mm-hmm. pinball and uh with her with her funny name uh with smf she, that's right that's mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um I, I i love where they take that relationship and you know he's so hurt uh wanting her to see the uh the, the team do the the bye bye bye. uh, oh, okay. god, right, that's hysterical from uh, from Insync and which I mm-hmm. honestly I felt kind of let down that we didn't get to see that. Um, right, just the rehearsal. I, I love that. And and one of the things I was going to mention, one of my quotes that she has earlier when when she has the bike accident, she's talking on the phone, um, and and when she she's talking to her friend about Ted, and she said he refuses to open up. <laughs> And when he gets anywhere close to being vulnerable, he fires off a zinger or some obscure reference to something very specific to a forty-year-old white man from Middle America. <laughs> and, and I'm not a forty-year-old white man from Middle America, but I am a forty-year-old white man. White man, and I, it's almost like she punched me in the face with that line. <laughs> you know, like, oh golly, Doctor Sharon's just reaching through the TV and and you know, coming up with what's up with me too. Um, but I love mm-hmm. how they brought that. You know, from where it started with her, he was so intimidated by her early and they get to that point where he where they're just hanging out um, in the pub and uh, he Mm -hmm. leaves her the note, you know, the buy note with the army man. It's wonderful. Uh, I I just love that scene. And with this being the next to last scene, uh, the next last episode in the in the season, um, you know, there's almost this episode is one that I, I don't hate. I struggle with penultimate scenes, uh, episodes, I keep saying scenes, but episodes, because you know, you know, what's coming, like there's something yeah. big coming. Mm-hmm. And so with this episode, I, you know, part of me was like, okay, what it's, it's, it's so getting me primed up for what's to come with Nate, with Keely, with Roy, with uh, Ted, Dr. Sharon, all this stuff. And so um, I did love that. And even the, the Akufu stuff, which, which I'll mention more in about 12, but
0: yeah, uh, certainly.
8: Yeah. Just, a, it's it, just another Great episode in this this second season of Ted Lasso. Uh, I
6: feel like I need to comment on because you brushed past it. The I found hysterical the intensity of the celebration <laughs> when Beard compliments the team on their bye 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 dance. Like oh, absolutely, they yeah. hang on that scene and they are going nuts. Like it's <laughs> you know, like like they won promotion. It is so yes. funny how much they,
4: from a production standpoint, commit to that bit. It's hysterical. And it's wonderful. Yeah. No, it's so wonderful. What um and admittedly for the whole season we're going to be going to like that's so right and everything like that is there anything else that maybe you wouldn't mention in those contexts that you want to mention Nathan about the uh, midnight train to royston the episode Um
6: I do love even though the actor doesn't appear on screen I love Trent Crim's presence in this episode um yes. in the text of Ted and 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 he resurfaces in the finale um you know we can put a pin in it as a maybe we discuss it in this moment maybe we save it for the finale but i'm a little on i'm pretty on the fence with where the show steers roy and Keeley, um and i'm not i don't think it's inappropriate to to kind of shake up character dynamics but there's a the actors deliver and the show gives quality material but it still feels a little forced to this early in the show's run to go ahead and rock their boat and and i right. i don't really love that about about season two uh so again I'll, I'll throw that on the pile as a something to possibly ponder as we discuss the finale as well but the the reason i throw it in here is just the seeds of it in the vanity fair shoot um, right it's pretty strongly played
4: yeah, no, I, I agreed with that. I do want to mention something that actually harkens back to episode 10. Um, so not in this episode, but I think we see it playing out and I will elaborate more on it maybe when we get into uh, broader themes or maybe discuss the character arc of Nate more specifically, is there's a moment towards the tail end of episode 10. That was the funeral episode where we Rupert attended the funeral of Rebecca's father. And then we see a moment where Rupert goes and whispers something in Nate's ear. We are not privy to what he said, but he whispers something in Nate's ear. Nate has a very you know distinct reaction to it. And then what I will say about it is that when he turns around the moment you cited earlier, Nathan, where he turns around and says, have you ever just wanted to be the boss, be in charge, get all mm-hmm. the credit? That is the first moment that I've been tracking with, Nate's arc through this whole season, that was the first moment when even tracking the arc, I was like, that feels so just out of left field. Feels like just what is what is that? Where's that coming from? And so we're not, I'm speculating here because we're not privy to what Rupert told him, but maybe leading forward with a little bit of what I'll unpack further about my understanding of Nate's arc is I really feel like whatever it was that Rupert said to him, whatever he whispered into his ear, I feel like that probably was the, the the pivot point, the crux for all of the other internal things Nate was struggling with. Well, now he's been given a hinge point of something. I have no idea what Rupert said to him. Maybe he said something like, let me know when you're ready to climb out from under Ted's shadow or whatever it is, you know, whatever he whatever Rupert said to Nate um you know, I feel like that was probably the turning point for him that sent him on the path we will see him now that we've been seeing him sort of prep for, that we'll see him absolutely spiral down over this episode and next episode. So I wanted to mention that before we moved on from it. But anything else I would mention would, would probably either be for, the, for our lists stuff from this episode
6: let's jump into 12 inverting the pyramid of success um which in, in a lot of ways is primarily dealing with the fallout of the news about ted's panic attack it being nate who sourced it um and just the 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 i mean it is the finale of the season so kind of all the major threads get some nods here um i'll i'll lead with a funny and then josh if you want to pick out some highlights for you uh, there's a great moment so roy's reflecting to the diamond dogs on his Mm-hmm. Reaction to the Vanity Fair piece running and him not being in any of the photos <laughs> he just says that they didn't use any photo with me in it, and it hurt my feeling like <laughs> feeling yes, but it hurt my feeling i just i was like that is that's fantastic script to <laughs> to have that moment there uh so so yeah, just kicking down the door a little bit josh g- give us some highlights for you of uh good or bad of the finale
8: you know i I love. I love where they they brought this season, and um, I love how it kind of culminates in this this last episode with so many ways that they bring storyline together here. And one of them, uh, you know, that sticks out to me is is Jamie handing off well soccer he doesn't hand it but Jamie mm. passing up the the kick to uh, Danny Danny Rojas. Oh man, and, that's great! Um, it's a, such a fantastic <laughs> scene. And then showing the little dog, you know, yeah. oh. he, he just, tiny, <laughs> tiny dog. That's right. It's oh. uh, it's just such a, a good scene of of seeing two characters who have come through some stuff. Um, and I, and again, I, I I joked about my favorite scene, but the the doggone the way that the Akufu uh, stuff <sighs> resolves. Oh my <laughs> word! I mean, I could watch that scene on repeat ten times a day. Oh uh, my gosh, even, even down to his uh his second command crud what's his name is it what's, what was his name i don't remember yeah but the, i don't the, yeah the, i don't remember yes, like, uh, he gives him the no not so fast oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> even that josh
6: gold. josh i don't know if you're familiar with that actor i wasn't really but he reed and i just watched a movie together actually recently called werewolves within that you'd actually mm-hmm. enjoy i know you don't tend to love the horror stuff, but it's a, a scary comedy and it's not really that right. scary, uh, it's but a, a he, coo-hoo. and yeah,
3: it's a coo-foo. He's, he's, he's,
6: he's the star of it. Um, and it's, you, you'd enjoy that movie. So you ought to check that out. Knowing your affection.
8: He, he's him. been in a number of things. He was in, uh, I know he's in V. Oh yeah. Oh. He also, which Nathan, we've talked about it, but it's that the Amazon movie with Chris Pratt. He's in that as well. And he's, that was tomorrow War. or whatever yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. but he's, he's uh comedic relief in that and he's anything he's in i'm i'm already primed to laugh because i I think he's he's a funny dude
6: you should check that movie out um Reed, what are
4: some highlights i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say yeah his blitzkrieg when when sam turns him down is hysterical it is so it's so over the top it's hysterical um so yeah okay i i love i'll mention because it probably wouldn't make one of my lists, but I do love it. Um, Ted eating breakfast after the story has broken, and I love the sequence of you know he gets some support from Rebecca, who's like f the haters, and then he gets Sharon's audio message, which repeats what I cited earlier as uh, Josh. I don't, I don't know if you uh, have been tracking our conversations up to this point, and it's okay if you haven't been. But I said it. I said earlier that. If any line in this show is going to rival be curious, not judgmental, it will, it was Dr. Sharon's line from an earlier episode of the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Mm -hmm. And so when she repeats that to him in that audio message, I just loved that so much. But I even found it very heartwarming and tender. The exchange he has with his wife, you know, there's still obviously some tension there, but there, I just found it very lovely. She cares enough about him to check in on him, but there's, still that little bit of like distance, you know, when he says early morning or late night, and I love just the subtlety of the three dots and then the three dots go away. And he, he, he reads that moment, right. Where he's like, okay, no, 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 not going to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I would cite that. I, I love that very, very much. And the second thing that I would mention that probably wouldn't be part of bigger, broader conversations would be, um, when Keely finally does tell, um, rebecca that she's going to be having her own company and the you know the developers of banter are going to give her own thing and i just love it so much where she said you know uh, where rebecca says a little bit of advice about being the boss hire your best friend and uh i just thought that was just lovely it was it's a whole the whole moment was really really uh touching and i loved it very very much yeah so that's me on it
6: well let's let's do this i'm i'm gonna be I'm gonna be the Nate for a moment, because Josh, you and I haven't talked in a while about season two, and and actually, Reed, you and I've chatted some, but but not extensively, mm-hmm. because when we when my wife and I finished season two finale, there was more head scratching and mild angst than there was joy, uh, which was an sure. uncommon experience for Ted Lasso, given my deep love for season one. Uh, inclusive of its finale and so this whole experience re-watching it for the sh- for the podcast i've been trying to enter into some new perspective and figure out you know okay what am i do i still feel some of those similar things you know can we iron some of that stuff out and josh something that has come up in these discussions tracking season two is from a meta narrative level when is um uh is sometimes can it be too subtle like mm, the no. nate stuff if you don't know what's happening narratively there's a it's a pretty strong swerve at the end and and in a way that can be i think jarring and was definitely to me the first time now retracking it you know of course i'm prepped for it uh and so clearly this is leaning into the the final kind of 5 minutes or so 10 minutes or so of the episode um you know, I, I'm a bit more open to what it's doing. Just part of it is like, well, this is what the show's doing, so I'm I'm gonna I'm choosing to engage with it and get on with it. Uh, I'm more sympathetic to it. I think the Nate arc troubles me less. Mm, here's how I'll parse it: the the final finale, like the last run of five to seven minutes, kind of bothers me more still than the. Uh, the Nate arc itself, the Nate arc itself emotionally, I'm kind of upset about just cause it is so tragic. I mean, Reed, you and I chatted today and, and even the scene in the locker room, when beard and Ted are pet- petitioning the team, do we want to yeah. stick with this or not? And they begin to rally around the sign. If you watch, I think his name's Nick Muhammad. If you watch him in that scene, just stare at Nate it is Mm -hmm. it is boiling underneath and and he does a great job like that actor delivers all season but what's so interesting about the show and i do think it's interesting and this is not a slight is they totally subvert their entire kind of architecture like yeah let's let's play with this isn't going to be rosy this isn't going to end well this is a character who's dealing with actual uh, it's amplified because it's a TV show, but it's actual feelings people have in terms of resentment and 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 pain at a sensed abandonment, father issues, blah blah blah, all this sort of stuff. So so I'm kind of reconciled myself. Okay. And I don't even mind, you know, he defects and now is with Rupert. That sets up some interesting future story stuff, but I don't know. I, I'm still not totally on board with those last 10 minutes, and I'll I'll vocalize them so y'all can engage them as you want, if at all, but I I think this is just a technical thing. I, I find it really odd the five days later, three weeks later, two months later. I just, I don't love, it feels like an odd choice to not consolidate some of that. I didn't love that, that we get a Sam moment there at the end, not because I don't love Sam, but because it felt like an odd inclusion for a finale moment. Like I wanted, hmm. if we're going to do more, give me some more Ted wrestling with what's going on or something. I don't know and but the biggest sticking point to me still is kind of the roy Keeley stuff i think i think the show does so well by them at their best that to then kind of foist what to me still feels relatively ambiguous at the end of it um you know emotionally it feels like a dissolving mm-hmm. but her literal line is no we're not breaking up and so i'm i'm just kind of torn over how to kind of Part of it is it is what it is, but I don't I don't love the choice that direction. I don't I can don't I, really care for it. Yeah. Can I inter-
4: so I'm going to interject something that might uh, firm up your dislike for it. But oh boy. Um, but one thing that you that you may not be attuned to, <clears throat> I don't even know. I'm going to give some credit to my wife because she's the one who um, pointed this out to me. But the show Ted Lasso does name drop more than once uh cheers references like references to the to the tv show cheers if you have never seen cheers there is a central relationship between sam and diane that um is uh, kind of on again off again it's very frustrated they're kind of opposites attract kind of thing for the first half of of the cheers run but midway through the run of cheers what Diane says to Sam, she has, without getting into a ton of needless uh, weeds, she has an opportunity that she's choosing to go pursue instead of being with Sam. And she says to him, we're going to be fine. I will see you in six months. She says, I will see you in six months. She never returns. She never, she. so then she, Diane, the character in Cheers, never returns to rekindle the relationship Shelley Long, with Sam. That's Shelly Long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's back. Uh, she appears yeah. again in the finale, but but like through then it pivots and she's off the show for like seasons at a time. Um, and so I feel that that Roy and Keeley moment. And again, I'm going to pat my wife on the back because she's the one first pointed this out and convinced me of it. I feel like that's a very intentional call out an homage and that when season three returns, Roy and Keeley will not be together. And I do not know what the context around it will be, but they will not be together. Things will have continued and wherever they may wind up together because cheers is a lovely show and ends very well. And and, in, in some places that I think if that is what they're going for, I'm excited to see how they overlay a thing like that in Ted Lasso. But, um, but, but yes, if that was a call out, season three will will open with roy and Keeley actively not together and that's fine i mean like
6: i i I don't (laughs) i mean whatever like that's not me dismissing you at all i'm i'm saying i don't mind meta textual winks and homages Yeah, yeah, yeah i think from an emotional standpoint this is this is really getting in the weeds it's different eras of tv and i've got 12 episodes to right. d- to live right. to live with these characters that, that in a previous era was 20 to 30 and some of those earlier sitcoms sure. more than that sure and i know well i don't know I, ha- I i would wager money juno temple isn't leaving the show so she's yeah. around yeah. she's going to And around. so I, yeah. I guess it's more just the a little bit of frustration like sure. i'm mm-hmm. i'm even okay with winks and nods leaving me really uncertain like it feels unnecessarily uncertain that i'll leave it there um, I, Josh, uh, no. yeah. what what were you, Josh? I feel like you ended season two very, very high. D- do you resonate with any of the um, sort of, I guess, frustrations I'm I'm referencing, or or are you kind of cool
8: in general with it? Yeah, well, we had talked a little bit about the difference in. T- it felt like there was a tonal difference in season two, mm-hmm. where where one to me was was so Ted centric. Two two I feel like moves into the the other uh circles of, of influence around him that there's so much dealing with uh with Rebecca, with um uh, you know Keeley with Roy with even stinking uh McAdoo gets a gets an episode yeah. where are working through some stuff, which is a great episode. Um and so you, you see some of that, and where I was impatient with some of that early, um, I kind of got on the I kind of got on board with it. Um, I, I, even the Nate stuff, um, I saw, I read an interview with Sedekis where he compared this season to uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back mm, uh, sure. in, terms, yeah. in terms of it not ending the way you wanted it to end. Right, um, right. And, and I didn't get it when I read it. I was like, well, oh, what the heck is going to, you know, i thought thinking, what's going to happen here? But upon rewatching season Ted's two. Ted's going to lose a hand. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. which he does in that extended episode um but <laughs> um I, in rewatching the series i thought it was so interesting that it begins through nate's eyes mm-hmm. you know, the opening scene of, yep. of, of the first episode is through nate's eyes and then it ends through a much more gray-headed nate's eyes right. um right. and so that was interesting you know i i, I wouldn't say it's it's a I felt like season one's like masterpiece level. I wouldn't (laughs) say this one is, but I would say there's a lot going on in this one. And you know what? Um, And Nathan, we've talked a little bit about this, that I'm kind of okay with not knowing everything and and not even being okay with some of this stuff. Um, I I listened to something on the ringer about, and it was Chris Ryan who said something about, you know, that Nate is almost a, is almost a reaction or even a refutation of what he calls lassoism. That mm-hmm. he he mm-hmm. is one of the few characters that responds differently uh, to what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I don't think as a whole it's you know it, it is it's it's this great masterpiece. But I, I do I am intrigued by it. I'm with you though at the, at the end. I, I'm never really a fan of the two weeks, five days, you know, letting it play out type stuff, the montage stuff, but it was interesting watching again, watching it again with the Sam parks. I know me and you had talked about that. Like, well, what the heck is going on with Sam, the Nigerian restaurant? Did I miss something? Yeah. You know, yeah. What, what I saw with him was instead of him going and leaving that he's bringing it back. Sure. With him. sure. Mm-hmm. And Agreed. Yeah. There's something beautiful about that, that I didn't catch the first time watching through it, but I did love that scene, you know, with him and his, in the scope of who he was and is becoming and um, right. Yeah, it's well. And it, I, it, I think, I think we're circling similar
6: ideas here. And for me, ultimately the, the sort of frustration is, is perhaps um, the show doing well by what it's doing uh, for me. In other words, um, you know, I, I it, it is in the way that season one isn't season two is incomplete. Like, mm-hmm there are definitive residual elements for a show about a, we can call it this, a fantasy of, of kindness, goodness, gentleness towards fellow man. Season two says, okay, well, let's let's pop that fantasy a little bit with the notion that some of these things are real, some of these feelings that these characters are having, what if we play that out in a real way? Uh, Josh, yeah. you made the, the refutation comment i think it was an article you shared with me where they acknowledge nate the 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 monologue nate gives um is kind of the voice of the audience which is why is this character not with his child whom he claims to love so much and and you know so so it's kind of it's doing a lot of work and i can i can respect that and there's a world where post season two i have uh, can reflection uh, with new content look back and be like, okay, I I, I can live with it. It kind of irons itself out, but it's kind of what I'm May, for the season. Yeah, please.
4: It, just just because we're we're this feels like the most appropriate moment to sort of make this this interplay. When we three got together to discuss season one, uh, we mentioned at least in passing, or <clears throat> maybe it was in the undertone. I can't remember if we explicitly stated it that a lot of the tone of season one is showing you that you can lose and you can still win. Like even, you know, they, they, they lose at the end. You don't expect them to, but Manchester city and courtesy of Jamie Tart, they lose and they get relegated, but they still win. They win community. They win all of these other things. And so that was a, that was a season about showing that you can lose and you can still win. And I really feel like this season overall among a myriad of other things it might be doing is about how you can win and still lose. Because they I'm win promotion.
8: <laughs> they or, or, win. or you can tie you can tie and still lose. <laughs> you can tie and still lose. It
4: still happens. Um, because like think about it. On paper, like what's happened? The team has earned promotion. That's happened. And then on paper, uh Keely has been given this profound opportunity, but now her relationship is with with, with Roy is at risk. Um, Sam. Is coming into his own, but, but then, you know, and Sam and Rebecca, like they have, you know, shared a thing, but then there's also some tension there. And we don't know if that's really going to progress the way it, the way it goes. And, uh, and then all that is wrapped up with Nate. So I really feel like not trying to be cutesy here. If the first season is about showing you that you can lose and still win, I really do feel like season two is about how you can win and still lose. And it remains to be seen from where we're sitting having this conversation, how season three will. Interplay those two narratives together. Um, But I think because of that, that's certainly a much less comfortable Mm -hmm. narrative to follow Mm -hmm. to recognize like, oh, yeah, you can win and still lose Um, that that that's less optimistic. We like hearing stories about how, yeah, you didn't you, you didn't win the big game, but you won all of these other things. We don't like hearing about the stories about where you get the thing you wanted or you get the thing you're after. And then along the way, you lost this, you lost this, you lost this. But both are really vital stories to engage with. Just one is less comfortable than the other. And I think season one set up the audience of Ted Lasso to be like, this is the huge heartwarming show. And I think it's a little bit more mature than that, a little bit more complicated than that. And, 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 and it's okay if the responses are in kind, a little bit more complicated, a little bit more nuanced. Um, I think that's okay.
6: Reed, I'm happy for us to pivot to the, either that's the writer or favorite scenes, but for you, I'll ask, uh, you weren't nearly as sort of on the fence as I was the first time through at the end, mm-hmm. as we've had this ongoing conversation about how subtle is too subtle. Do, are you like, ah, it is what it is. Do you, do you feel like, the weight of Nate's
4: uh, punch is earned, you know, what, what are your sort yeah. of, it's hard to. Uh, so for me, the short answer is yes, they earn it for me uh, watching it through, especially I feel like they did the work sure. and, and, and I feel like the only reason that the first time through, you don't see it coming is because you don't expect a character like that to do something like that. You you, you don't
8: want it. You don't want to see it
4: come. Yes. No, no, absolutely. And so you're kind of in denial and you're kind of just waiting for the character to come back around. But all of us, I I say all of us, I I think most people have experienced a rift to a relationship. They've experienced something where it's like, man, we used to be like, we used to be like this. And now just, there was a falling out. And if you're lucky and if you do the work, those relationships repair But I think probably an alarming amount of us, maybe all three of us in this conversation have relationships, friendships that we could point to, uh, maybe, you know, familial relationships or something that we could point to. It could be like, yeah, that relationship never, never repaired. It was, it, it, it ended poorly, ended badly, and, uh, and it never repaired. And so I think to that end, it really works for me. Like what happens with, with Nate really works for me. Something that I might talk about after we get on the other side of, of, of that's so right, and after we get on the other side of, of our favorite lists, is uh, but I. But I'll tease in this moment is that in many in many ways, watching it this second time around, I've equated what happens with Nate in his arc uh, to a, a, a real loss of faith. Like he he was brought into an experience where he really believed a lot, and then uh, at the end, again, I'll 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 unpack it a lot more once we get on the other side of our lists. But he literally takes. The believe poster and rips it to shreds like he is literally visually and symbolically like that character has lost faith he's lost faith in ted maybe to a large degree has lost faith in 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 a lot of things that he took uh for granted and um i'm not trying to be glib or silly here it, like when the leaves are getting ready on a tree or getting ready to die and fall off they lose their color yeah it's a really ob- it's a really obvious uh 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 visual representation but his turning gray through the course of the series he's losing something piece after piece he's losing something um and uh, it's not just chalk it up to stress or whatever that's a very visual thing of like hey he's entering in to his winter he's entering into something where uh you know he's he's really lost a lot and so to that degree i have a lot of sympathy and i do think the show earns that i think Mm -hmm. the only reason that i shouldn't say the only reason because that feels dismissive I think the reason it doesn't work for a lot of people is because Josh, to your point, we didn't want to see that happen for his character. That's not what we're after with this show. Um, and, and so because we didn't want to see that, then we, we want, we're kind of in a maybe reactive denial that that's, you know, like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't bring us there. That, that character was never that thing. Yeah. But that's, that's the way life goes sometimes. That's the way characters are sometimes is, you know, that, that's the one that, you know, it's the hope that kills you. So, um, but anyway. That's my answer to your question. Well, let's, how about we uh, how about we do some "That's So Right" real quick? I like it. Take us away, Andrew.
9: That's so right. It's just so right. It's just so right. That's
3: just so right. It's
6: just so right. Here we are at "That's So Right." We are each going to uh, uh, check our list. And Josh, as our guest, you get to pick your top most. uh, uh, As you assess Ted Lasso season two, what is the thing you would identify as? Oh, so right. (laughs)
8: Um, I I tell you and read it something you said a minute ago that you're talking about the difference between season one and season two, how season one is almost a, you know, it's, it's almost the gospel according to, to Ted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. then season two shows you these people trying to live by that. Mm, And mm. for, for most of us, um, for almost probably everybody listening that when it comes to faith and belief and trusting in something that's bigger than yourself, that there's often a a testing that has Mm. to get, that has to get worked out. And I think season two is all about seeing that get worked out. Um, Mm. You know, and, and what it's doing for these characters, or not doing in Nate's case, um, uh, right now, um, right. I, I, I see that as something that, that I think this show nails is seeing characters uh, struggle with choices, even choices like Rebecca's choice to mm. to see Sam and and all this other yeah, stuff. Right, you're seeing you're seeing characters struggle. To make choices through this new lens that they have to see the world. Um,
4: yeah, yeah.
8: And I think the show just absolutely
4: crushes that. Agreed, Nathan. What's did you say? You were about? to <laughs> no, say, I was I about agree. to. I was about to do the. I, I agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
6: that's so funny. Um, what would you say, Nathan? I think for me, man, it's kind of neck and neck here. Um, mm, hmm okay so my my that's so rights are just two character names and if you if one of if reed you don't name the other one i'll name it as my surrogate because it's basically number one as well the only reason i'm going with the one i'm going with and it's jamie tart mm. is they're they really impressively pull off a fully dimensioned character journey with that guy yes yes through these through through the whole show but but definitely manifesting in this season i mean yes
4: absolutely yeah Mm -hmm.
6: that that the season ends that the jamie tart the one who shakes his ass for the crowd and points to his shirt and sings the shark song and (laughs) and uh uh, god what is his line this uh, you know this Oh, I can't remember it. Some season in li- one line about himself aggrandizing and that end <laughs> that ends with him deflecting the moment of glory to Danny. Like yes. He, yes, he chooses to kind of sublimate his own honor in yes. order to let mm-hmm. Danny have his not redemptive moment. He didn't, he didn't fail in a, in a qualitative way when he inadvertently killed Earl but not only is that a perfect perfectly symmetrical moment for the season it's also just a great character bit that signals this is a really good guy and and Josh to your to your point about the show working out the the Tedness of the world in its characters that's someone for whom it really took and Mm -hmm. uh and he didn't you know he 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 is learning that via the signal when to turn it on on the field but also that it can and should be turned off um mm-hmm. so so no that that's my that's so right for this season is just the character journey of
4: jamie tart yeah so i i might be citing the character that you it's were all good go for it going to be mentioning but if i'm not then you can after i I'm, I'm mention this then i'm going to cite two moments indicative of this but Uh, But really my, that's so right is a, is a scene. Um, And it's not among my favorite scenes. It's just so right. Like I just, I really, yeah, I wanted to put it in, in, including here. Um, You talk about Jamie Tart and the journey he goes through and the moment that everybody is put on display, the tension that he has with his father and that, that whole, that whole exchange in the locker room after the Manchester city loss so everything that they're, that they're struggling with right there, my that's so right is the moment where when Jamie is at his most broken and nobody else really knows what to do or how to respond. He's here, he's there, he's every effing where. Roy Kent steps forward and hugs that man in one of the most heartfelt, tender, just, just powerful, powerful moments. And Roy, Roy Kent uh sort of writ large that moment specifically but sort of roy kent is is somebody that I, I love what they do with his character i loved him last se- i love him so much as a character last season but what they do with him here you know his whole journey you know the dash back to the airport in the rom-com episode like everything that they do with roy kent in this season is just a uh, is just an absolute delight uh admittedly with an asterisk on the stuff against keely but uh sure yeah well
6: and yes so it was roy and jamie and the only reason i picked jamie is while while roy is such an incredible character there is a less visibly well-defined arc in terms of Mm -hmm. you know that that kind of characterization and stuff and so that's the only reason i picked jamie but yeah i mean (laughs) brett goldstein his demeanor, his attitude, his facial expressions, his psychotic eyebrows, like he <laughs> just kills it. He is psychotic. A, I mean, it's astonishing. So, so Ted Lasso, the character, Ted Lasso, the pop culture phenomenon is one thing, but Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent has punched through pop culture in a way mm-hmm. that is just staggering that you don't see very often. And that's, mm, that's pretty wild for a show only two years in.
8: he's Uh, he's the han solo he wasn't supposed to be
6: yeah Mm, my mm. gosh
8: everyone everyone loves that guy yeah nathan there's a line you mentioned jamie and his journey which is fantastic but there's a line early in it when his agent says you're like a son to me a a dead son which means i love you more (laughs) um It just kind of sets up <laughs> what this poor guy's <laughs> dealing with in the beginning. Oh, <laughs> so,
6: so great! Oh god, it's so great! Mm. Oh, all man. right. So that has been another installment. Oh, that's all right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's just so right.
4: Should we uh, move into favorite scenes? Let's do it, Josh. Right. Why, don't,
6: why don't Why don't you go first? So, so in descending order for you, if there is a mm-hmm. status ranking,
8: descending order. Uh, I don't have a status ranking, but okay. um, I, I mentioned earlier, Akufu's meltdown is <laughs> is phenomenal when he tells him he's going to buy his house and he's going to take a dump <laughs> in every room and then burn it down burn, <laughs> burn it, it down. down and then you know it, it the seat the scene is over and he walks out and he starts like you know groping and, and and just terrorizing the mannequin and then he starts motioning the the poop you know? yeah yeah oh, oh my gosh God. it's That's
6: phenomenal so great. i love it oh, it's so great those one, the response of Sam to that is really great too.
3: Yeah. Oh, kind just, just like, disbelief.
6: Yeah, he's just like yeah. wow. Um, I think Reed. Do you want to go? Do you want me to go? No, I want you to go. Okay, okay. You might have said that. Um, <laughs> illustrating the Rouse brain, uh, uh, pivoting completely the opposite direction in terms of tone and content. Uh, to me, my favorite scene of of perhaps the series, um, because of what it represents emotionally of the show what it represents technically of the show is the parallel uh confessions of ted and rebecca in no weddings and a funeral it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a masterful bit of filmmaking um it is while i would agree with anyone who says it doesn't represent necessarily the comedic elements of the series uh i i'm, I'm fine with that but it, what it does so well is character is scripting is editing uh -hmm. is all of the acting i don't know if i said performance like all of the elements are working in perfect like that's a scene when it's happening the first time i was kind of like i kind of can't believe they're doing this so well like it is a tightrope to pull that off and and everyone delivers so that's that's probably my favorite scene of the season despite its heavy emotionality
4: no, I, I understood. Understood. Um, descending order, you said, right? Mm.
6: Whatever you want to do, Lucky.
4: Off All right, the I'm top gonna...
6: rope, from the from outside the ring.
4: Okay. All right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You didn't see the elbow coming. It's like right there. <laughs> a, I regret much. <laughs> no. Okay. So um, I'm actually going to cite what, what I would list as my favorite scene of this season. Okay. Um, just because I, I don't want it to get stolen with apologies. Um When Ted is so mad at Doctor Sharon because she she's left and she wasn't gonna say goodbye, and I love so so much and what it says about these characters, what it says about where they are. When she's like, "It's all in the letter. It's all in the letter." And so then he is, he's like, "You know what? I'm not. I'm not ever reading your stupid letter." (laughs) And then so you know, like, and then so the scene kind of escalates, and he's like, "All right, fine, fine. I'll read it. Don't read your stupid letter." He starts reading it, and then. You know, you see Jason Sudeikis, just a wonderful performance moment for him because you see every thought going through his head. You see the humor, the memory, and then you see the moment that whatever sentence he reads, that's the whammy, the, oh man, I was not expecting you to say that about me or about us or about this. And then he gets to the end of it. And and I just love so much that there are sometimes in art and specifically film and TV where, Us not getting to see what happens is frustrating. I think the reason that can be frustrating is when we don't know the effect it has on the person. But when we can see the effect it has on the purpose uh, on the person, I kind of like that we don't get to know it because I feel like it would cheapen it if I knew what was in that letter. I just need to know that Ted is so moved by what's in that letter. And so that that is my favorite scene of this entire season is when he reads Dr Sharon's letter um I'm
6: gonna I'm gonna prop that scene up a little bit more for you though it was not on my list whatsoever but you know just again I can recognize some of the strong technical choices the show makes in season two and that that letter scene is all about affirmation Mm. uh encouragement compassion grace heartening to another one to another and it's but we as the audience aren't privy to the communication itself right what is the other moment from the season where we are not privy to the communication itself it is mm-hmm. its opposite it is rupert to nate it oh that's right the yes, devil on the shoulder right. whispering of power mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. compassion grace and friendship i don't know that's really powerful sort no of that's random. wonderful observation.
4: um
8: josh what's
6: your next favorite scene
8: um, I could probably have taken every favorite scene from no weddings and a funeral because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. it is, I think Nathan, I texted you after watching it. I think it's my favorite, probably my favorite episode of the whole series. After watching this a second time, I will say the dog rom-com one is, is just <laughs> is so, so strong. That's wonderful. Where Roy. And this is not my, my scene, but that scene where Roy's running at the end. Oh man. Pops his mm-hmm. knee in it's so great. um, It's great. But I was going to say it's it's when Rebecca gets up and stinking does never going to give you up. Um, Uh Beautiful. That could have so easily gone wrong and in the wrong hands. It's it's stupid and it's cheesy and it's it's not what it became. Even when Ted starts singing with her. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, gosh, is this. And but then you see the whole, you know, I'm not a fan of singing songy you know much but um but when that when that happens you're in i mean yeah oh yeah totally invested and it you know it takes you a minute to realize what she's singing but then it's like oh my gosh this is incredible yeah she just rickrolled her father's funeral (laughs) in the most beautiful way possible and I, i i love that scene i love that episode uh i think it's it's highlight real stuff for this
4: show Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah wonderful stuff wonderful stuff um
8: i'll go i'll i'll I'll, uh,
4: sort of throw out
6: fire out my other two real quick because they've both been referenced and for the sake of time so one Mm -hmm. is uh the roy jamie moment post man city in the locker room that's just a really powerful 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 scene uh that's that's signaling some really great character work between characters we love and then the third one is you had me at coach I mean, the entire, the entire sequence from him leaving the sort of faux sports center scenario and, and returning to the actual pitch uh, culminating in the audience yelling, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's just a fantastic run, uh, uh, for the character. And, and I'm going to cite it as my
4: third favorite scene. That's awesome. Um, If you don't mind, Josh, I'll go ahead and list my last two, and then I'll pivot to you to bring us home, if that's okay. Um, So my last two, which I'm having difficulty ranking, which of them are my favorite. Uh, One of them is an, I'll mention this one first, because it's an extension of what you just said, Nathan, and that's the interplay of the confessions between um, Ted and Rebecca, not between Ted and Rebecca, but Ted is talking to Dr. Sharon, Rebecca is talking to her mom. Rebecca's talking about uh, you know finding her father's infidelity and Ted, uh, his father's suicide. And so they're having that. But the scene that I wanted to mention, the one that immediately follows that, we leave Rebecca and it stops the interplay. And Sharon asks Ted to say something about. His father that he likes oh, it's so. and, good. and then so good. when he tells the Johnny Tremaine story about how his father read stayed up all night reading Johnny Tremaine so that his son wouldn't be nervous about a little test, and then that really breaks Ted down because he realizes like all of that emotion swelling in on him about what he never told his father and what he wishes he told his father. and then it called I mean, it's this is this is. Hearkening back to what we loved so much about season one. This is when Ted Lasso like sort of gets that spirit again. It's because he said, I don't know if this is, you know, illegal or whatever, but can I have a hug? And she says, Of course. And he said, You're gonna charge me for this session. She said, Of course I will, Ted. <laughs> and he says, I appreciate your integrity. Like that's great. Just, yes. It's it's I appreciate it's wonderful. Yeah. It's just is is wonderful. Uh, and she's like, And for the house call. Like it's just it's it's really it's really wonderful. But that whole sequence. His revelation yeah. about his father and everything—that's that that moment, um, which is an extension of, but but separate from the other one. And then the other one that I'll mention has a dark turn to it. That's also also been referenced about the um, uh, when they agree to go with the false nine through the second half of the last game, but they wanting to come in for a rally. And Isaac McAdoo looks up at that poster, mm-hmm. and all the whole team goes up. Now, obviously, what's happening with Nate? in that moment is, is frustrating and heartbreaking, but the team coming forward, they've never done that in that show. We saw Roy Kent do it in one episode at the tail end, but the team stepped forward and all touched the believe poster. And that just, I I loved it so much. It's one of my, one of my favorite moments of this season. So uh, that's, that's my last two, Josh, why don't you give us your third and then we'll, we'll, we'll go out from there.
8: So the one I written down was the Roy Jamie moment in the, Mm. In the locker room, mm. which I think it, it is so symbolic of almost everything that's going on in this season, with fathers and sons and love, and um, but uh, since we've mentioned that a few times, I'll springboard into the 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 uh, the funny version that happens uh, in the last episode. I'm so glad you mentioned. <laughs> when they come together, and he headbutts him. He's like, why did you do that? And he's like, so I can do this. You know, and he hugs oh, him. That's so great.
4: it's great.
8: It's, it's echoes. And we mentioned last time I was on um, how Ted Lasso uh, borrows from Major League, the movie from the mm. you know, late 80s, or early 90s, whenever that came out. Um, but there's a scene with Corbin Burnson and Tom Beringer. Bering? Beringer. Beringer. Tom Beringer, who uh, <laughs> Tom Beringer is the Roy Kent. Yeah, Tom, he's the Roy Kent character and Corbin Burnson is the, the Jamie Tart, And they, they just, they win the pennant or whatever they do. And Beringer punches, uh, Bernson because I think he might've slept with his wife. Um, <laughs> it was something that he shouldn't have done. And, uh, but then they hug afterwards, you know, it's like, yeah, uh-huh. and Pap, you know, he pops him. Um, but that was, that was perfect. Just watching those two dudes and where they've come from. It, it, for some reason I was reminded of that, the, the, for the kids episode with the, in the first season. Yeah, for the yeah. children. When, mm-hmm. when they're when Ted forces them to say something good about the other one, and there's Jamie mm-hmm. like burning his nipple with some kind of dip or something. <laughs> uh, how far <laughs> those two guys have come.
4: Uh yeah, it, absolutely.
8: It's just phenomenal watching these two once enemies now trying to move forward and, and figure out what friendship looks like or or even
4: just being coached a player, what that looks like for them no absolutely mm. absolutely um so yeah those are f- some favorite scenes from season 2 of ted lasso i uh i i tr- we try pretty consistently to defer to guests when we're here uh josh if you'll permit me like just like 2 3 minutes here reed uh, doesn't
6: like deferring to anybody i'm kidding I'm kidding, I'm kidding i'm kidding never I'm true kidding. Um,
8: nobody puts reed in the corner yes.
4: <laughs> that's right that's right um So, but I have, I have something I want to go back to. I don't know that it will explode out into bigger thematic conversation, but it really struck me about the, the Nate arc coming back to that a little bit. I teased it a little bit earlier in this conversation, but I really feel like what resonated with me so much this time around was, you know, Nate's having a loss of faith. Um, You mentioned uh, Nathan Rupert as like a devil on his shoulder or whatever, but he's really having a crisis of faith in the, in this breakdown for anybody who's just listening to us, but you haven't seen Ted Lasso, you know, like Nate unloads on Ted and, you know, Ted is completely blindsided by it. Like he's he's been trying to do right by Nate, despite the fact that he knows Nate utterly betrayed him to... Because, because what Nate did by reaching out to Trent Krim and confessing Ted's panic attack, that was career assassination. Like, I think that... It gets lost in the milieu of everything else that happens around the show, but like that can and you can see it in the way people respond. If he had not had such a supportive you know team owner in Rebecca, like he could have been he could have been fired for something like that. you know like there's any number of ramifications that could have uh, arisen from that knowledge being out in the world. Um, so when Nate did it, it was career assassination. He absolutely is angry at Ted furious at him and is just like spit firing um, some things at him. And I really think that there's a crisis of faith when the, they touch the believe poster and he gets so incensed by that. I want to point out a couple of things in his tirade to Ted. He says that Ted made him feel like the best person in the world or the most important person in the world. And then abandoned him. Then I'm thinking about all the times that I've heard people who talk about like, they have an, an experience, an encounter with religion, with faith, with God. And then they feel like, well, where are you now? Look at all the bad stuff that's happening. Look at I can't get a hold of you. I can't, I, I don't feel any sort of connection in my in my in my prayers or in my life. I don't sense you here. All this bad stuff is happening. And so they feel like God has, a, has abandoned them. And then he calls out specifically. And I, I do want to camp for 30 seconds on this moment. He calls out specifically. He says, You don't even have the picture that I gave you uh, for for Christmas. You've just got some dumb Americans in your office. Nate in that moment has no idea. I cited this when when we talked about no weddings and a funeral. He has no idea that the picture he gave Ted is sitting in a pretty prominent, like treasured place on Ted's dresser at home. So he doesn't have it at the office. He has it where he lives. He has it closer to his heart. And Nate doesn't know that because he can't see it. And not trying to get too preachy here in the moment, but it made me think of the ways in which when bad things happen or traumas happen, we will tend to lash out at God or at our beliefs or or at whatever else. We'll tend to lash out at that completely ignorant of how much grace is present with us in that moment. We have no idea how close we are to God's heart, but we're lashing out because of what's not visible to us. We're lashing out because of what we can't see. Um, And then he insults you know Ted's credibility. He jabs at him about a son, which is clearly issues with his own father that he's kind of taking out on him. And the worst part to me is that even when Ted tries to apologize, Nate is clearly not even listening to him. There is nothing that Ted could say in that moment that would change anything about where Nate is. And I feel like when you really have this shattering of faith, honestly, what happened or what happens next is probably not going to make any difference until you sort of walk through the dark night that you're on your way through until you sort of conclude that path to its end i don't have necessarily much more to say about that except i just wanted to spend you know 2 3 minutes to kind of unpack that resonance with me most especially about the um, you know the fact that he calls out that ted doesn't have his picture prominently featured And it's just his complete ignorance that he doesn't know how closely Ted has kept that picture and how much that picture has meant to him. Uh, And that really stuck out to me in the ways that we can sever ties because of what we think we're seeing or what we think we're not seeing. And we just sometimes we just don't know. We just clearly don't know. Um, I wish I had had formulated a better question to pivot over to either of you, but I would invite thoughts if you have any, uh, you know, or if that sparks anything for either of you. Uh,
8: Reed, it's interesting that you,
4: you sit on, on
8: that scene because what this season does is show you just how insecure Nate is mm-hmm.
3: and reasons
8: for that. Um, mm-hmm. why he's sitting in that. I, I was listening to something the other day. Um, and the, the guy was talking about how, uh, that in w- how we make sense of the world that, that and and i I forget the guy's name but but that we are we are like a a rider on an elephant um Mm. and that while you can begin he was using it here's how he was using he was using it in in framework of conspiracy theories and when we have friends and family Mm. members who are moving in directions that are like ugh, I, i wish you wouldn't he said that you can appeal to their rider, and the rider in this case is is the mind. Mm. And He said, But there's also this elephant, which is their heart and and their emotions. And he said, While the rider has a little bit of control, that elephant at any moment can take back the reins and be like, Nope, nope, I'm wow. in control here. Mm-hmm. And what I see at play in Nate is kind of that rider and elephant thing that you've seen first season, maybe early second, the rider being being dealt with you you Mm. see him working through some stuff but then you start seeing his background you start seeing his relationship with his father you start seeing him spitting at himself you start seeing him wanting to get a table that he can't get um and all of a sudden the elephant is like nope nope we're not you're not done with this you know right in in my experience with you know my own insecurity or seeing it in other people It often kind of looks like that, that there may be progress and then boom, you know, there's something else that there may come a, you know, instead of four steps forward and one step back, you're getting four steps forward and then maybe 12 steps back Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden that insecurity, which is so strong in that person's life, just completely yanks, uh, the, the, the direction back to wherever they were. And you see some of that with Nate that he's, um, Ted has been so loving and so caring and so inspiring to him. But then Mm -hmm. when he, he's still the same Nate we met in season one. Right. He hasn't hasn't dealt with what led him to that point. And so that's one of the things that kind of excites me about the ambiguity of where we left season two is what's going to happen there? Because if it's in the vein of Ted Lasso, you know, we're hoping that Nate
6: deals with that yeah and 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 yes josh i think i and i'll acknowledge full on that they have wisely given themselves some scaffolding for the future like like there's there's a clear direction they can go and and kind of do some some good work in that and it's funny just processing here and y'all talk about the nate arc and that journey and and read uh, josh you'll resonate with some of this too but last week we talked about calling and in and a hidden life and, and Josh, the movie, a hidden life. It's, it's, a um, kind of World war, war two Holocaust era film. That's all about this, just the small and the secret, the small and the, how, how the smallness of a life can, can bloom into an, its impact and effect. Um, but what came up in that conversation was this the language we sometimes use in faith circles of being called to particular platforms of, of elevation and identity and uh, notoriety and fame and all this and celebrity to, to be put a real blunt word on it. And what's interesting about Nate is, to your point, Josh, like, he just got there too fast. He yeah. he is immature, he is insecure, and bless his heart. He platform,
8: was platform outran his character
6: yes Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and and he had the right um sort of guide in ted and in the warm sort of nest that 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 character can create but it kind of overshot and josh we've referenced several times keely has a line early in this season i think oh it's she might even be talking to phoebe about her halitosis i uh, think it is where Mm -hmm she says problems are like mushrooms. If yeah. you leave them in the dark too long, they grow. And that that is the signal of what is occurring with Nate. We just and I will own it even for myself, you just kind of don't want to know the problems there until Oh my god, it has ballooned and, and gone nuclear as he does in the finale. Um, right. But it's so inst- I do think it's instructive for the era we live in. And what does what do the creators wisely do with Nate? They when when he is spitting in the mirror at himself, he then is looking in the mirror of Twitter and and, mm-hmm. and, and gets fed his own Kool-Aid and gets utterly drunk on it. And, you know, the, the ground is littered with folks who have drank too deeply of that well and poisoned everything around them.
4: Can so, so one th- yeah, one of the please. things that what? keeps keep, keep, oh, yeah I know. it keeps bubbling up in, in so much of what we're saying, Josh. You we're talking about insecurity, and and uh, and and Nathan, you're talking about like getting there too fast. So I keep I keep coming back to this this idea of like the way Nate saw Ted, and then also specifically like his interpretations of how things are going to be I'm, I'm going to get real lofty for a second it's not necessarily bold it's just sort of big and so i really hope that it doesn't it doesn't overwhelm the conversation um but i i've i've thought about this or a version of this a lot in the language that people will use to either talk about current events social events and they'll talk about it in very religious language and when people express their faith when they express their theology my, my lofty idea is I think there are people who think about and look at what they believe God does to determine like who they are. And so identity is wrapped up in what they believe God does. So they talk about what God does. I think there are other people who focus on who God is. So there's what God does, and then there's who God is. And I feel like a lot of times people who focus on What God does tend to sometimes have crises of identity if things are not working out. Like things can go in any number of different ways, but like when things are not going their way, when the sick person is not healed, when uh, the tragedy does not just resolve itself, like well, God's supposed to fix this. These these things are supposed to get better. They're supposed to do better, and so there's some uncertainty in where they are, and so then they have to start questioning. What they believed about who they are and who God is, and all of those things get topsy turvy. Even perhaps worse than that um, is is like you get into the conspiracy theory angle where you're like, "Oh, well, this is just the uh, Rube Goldberg sort of machinations that are going to lead us back around, and he's going to position this, and he's going to do that," because they're so focused on like what God does. But the difference there is if you if you pivot that and you start focusing on who He is, the faithfulness. The 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 character of God. Um, again, I'm I'm talking in very faith based language, but I think it probably could apply broadly to any relationship, uh, whether you're talking about a spouse, a family member, or anything. If you focus on who the person is, their heart, their 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 spirit, their mind, um, like if you start concentrating on that, then that can sometimes help be instructive to what to do next, regardless of the circumstances, or how to navigate what's next. And I feel like that's this sort of backwards thing that we keep wrestling with is Nate in his place kept concentrating on what Ted did for him and 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 what Ted what he expected Ted to keep doing for him and when that fell apart or when that wasn't there and when it didn't look exactly the way that Nate thought it should look then that completely subverted his understanding of the identities at play he suddenly thinks because he says everybody loves you Ted Lasso but I think you're a joke, you know, and and so he's talking about like who Ted is, I think you're a joke. And he also says about himself, he said I belong here, I deserve to be here, and he's completely forgetting that it was Ted who first saw that in him, you know, that it was Ted who first like sort of, you know, Nate Nate did earn it with his thoughts about it and his thoughts on the team and everything, but it was Ted who first gave him that voice and he's completely abandoned that. Um, so I've just, I, 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 again, find it very interesting. I think there's a real struggle we have in relationships when we try to focus on identifying character by action and start saying like, well, this is, and we can do it with exploded up with God. We talk about like, well, this is what God does and, and and God does this, or God does that. And even the relationships that we have in our life, like they do this, they do that. And it's all about transaction and service as opposed to character and heart and spirit um, a, a looking more at who God is or looking at who the people in our lives are and looking more at character and integrity. And, and, and I feel like Nate is a prime example of how when you get that backwards, it's very, very fragile. Maybe it might even be not too far to say that it's the house of sand versus or house on sand versus house on rock kind of thing. Um, and, uh, anyway, just an explosion of thoughts that just keep bubbling up. I don't know.
6: Uh, I'll, I'll tie that off with, there's a great line Ted delivers when he's apologizing to the team, uh, about withholding the panic attack information. And he says, every choice is a chance. Mm. It is our choices that show who we truly are far more than our abilities. Mm. And it's important to note, um, this is an old Robert McKee scripting note. A character is what they do. Like Mm. the only, the only insight we, as a viewer, sometimes we in relationship to human people the only insight we have is is the observations we make of how a person behaves Mm -hmm. and the choices nate makes through this season are reflective of of for it's not a judgmental statement it is a reflection of who he is though which is insecure and immature and that's disheartening to us because we so right enjoyed the kind of energy that that character has in the first season and the dynamic that's present, but is perhaps a more mature look at what can really happen when insecurity and immaturity don't grow and instead are mm-hmm. told they're the wonder kid. But I really said wonder kind. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> any any other kind of broad thoughts? Josh, do you, any anything staring at you that you feel like you want to say about Ted Lasso season two? Oh,
8: um, a, a quote early on, um, which I think I think kind of sums up Ted Lasso season two, or at least that's what people who think things like like I do about this would say. Um, so mm-hmm. it's when <clears throat> it's when the Danny Rojas uh, discovers that football is death yeah. um, <laughs> and Ted is talking to it's it's almost a, this funeral like scene um, where he's talking to the press and he says, uh, funny to think about the things in your life that can make you cry just knowing they existed and then become the same things that make you cry knowing that they're now gone when those things come into our lives help us get from one place to a better one and I thought about that you know in, in terms of this season because if if Ted Lasso season three um Moves back into a or, or four or wherever the whatever the end looks like for this. Um, it, it looks like, you know, some of the best things we have are things that we had to work hard for, are things that we had to sacrifice for, are things that involve loss. Um, you know, that's why that's why a Thanksgiving meal tastes the way it does when you're with the people you love and the people who aren't there anymore. Um, That's why Christmas, you know, is what it is. When when you can remember who who's not there anymore, and and I think that's that's an interesting uh, way to look at things. And gosh, I just Sadekus just nails Ted Lasso so well when he puts in that golly type way of looking at it, and you're like, Dad gummit!" Flipping philosopher Forrest Gump has done it again. (laughs) He nails it time and time again. And you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. dagum, Ted, you've been reading my mail, man. That's me. <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, I see that in, in him, as I mentioned earlier, as you watch season two, you see, you see what kindness, you see what grace, you see what humility, you see what they can do in the lives of the people around you. And um, you, you see how then it begins to spread, you know, Keely having her, opportunity to go and do whatever she's going to do Roy good gracious I didn't even mention it but Roy coaching the little girls' soccer team oh, oh it's so great God, that is phenomenal handing out the trophies at the end and uh just so good but <laughs> but you see all these characters beginning to um to, to get from one place to another and some of them have dealt with loss some of them have dealt with pain but they've all dealt with something and I think yeah. that's where you know, you leave Nate at – it's like that something's coming for him. Actually, mm-hmm. it already has. He just can't name it. He, like the 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 Keeley phrase y'all mentioned earlier about things. Right, true. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been able to deal with it yet. Well, should he begin to deal with it? Then you're going to see it happen for him too. Um, You know, doggone. And we joked last time we were together. Man, I'd take a daggum small group through this so quick. Um, <laughs> if they <if able. laughs> Because it, it has so many parallels to what we go through. Um, yeah, yeah so that's one reason why it's just, uh, you know, it's such a great, great show and, uh, always leaves me, um, you know, even, even, even in the da- the doggone beard episode, which I didn't care for, uh, <laughs> it, it does leave me wanting more Ted Lasso, uh, you know, time and time again.
4: No, absolutely. I think that's a I mean Nathan, unless you have other things to to share, I, I think that's a, a really great button to pivot us into the fog meter and everything uh we're you guys we're gonna have to wait like probably a year, which kind of sucks, and then <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna come back together and have to make our way through season three when that when that happens so that you know that's gonna maybe we'll All do right. a little mini side at that a, point. Yeah, well, or we do another mini What Saves Us series and just go through it again, just for that, you know, for that little bit. But um, but for right now, we have season two. Let's go into the fog meter uh, in this What Saves Us series, the fun and God uh, meter. So, um, Josh, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what would you give on a scale from zero to ten? Talking specifically about Ted Lasso season two, not Ted Lasso, the show as a whole, but season two. What would you give? Uh, on the fun meter.
8: Um, so uh, I love Ted Lasso and we'll go ahead and just throw that out there. I love the show. And I, I love the conversation that season two provoked, you know, even <clears throat> early on, you know, it's funny, you know, the, the line all press is is good press type stuff. <clears throat> um, even early on, like I, like I read the ringer and in such places and there was a, there was a, it wasn't a negative Ted Lasso piece, but it was a, it was one that was fairly critical. I remember thinking, "What? Are you kidding me? We're not watching the same show," and <laughs> and it just caused me to lean in more. It's like, "Well, let me tell you why I love it even more." Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I'd rate it. Yeah, you know, ten does feel too high, but I mean, it's up there, <laughs> man. Nine point five. Um, you can do. We can do point fives here. We can point, do point five. I'll give the point five. Um, yeah, and you know. There's, there's one thing that keeps coming up about the middle of the season about the right thing and, mm-hmm. and one, one when Ted says doing the right thing is never the wrong thing and it's you know mm-hmm. so it feels it just feels right to give it a
4: nine and a half. <laughs> I hear you man. I hear you. Nathan what about for you?
6: Um, I especially in comparison to season one I think for fun I'm going to be honest and go with a seven. I do have overall some complicated feelings about The architecture that i do think there's a strong chance future ted seasons will iron some out but taken Mm -hmm. on its own um of course it's fun but some of the some of the perceived uh, trouble spots aren't totally ironed out for me so i'm going to land at a seven
4: for it all right i think i'm actually going to join you in your seven seven was gonna was the number i was landing on and just that's mostly in comparison to season one, if I'm taking season two in a bubble that that's how I feel about it compared to the way that season one makes me feel. So, um, so seven for me as well on the God meter where we measure uh our, like the substance of it. Um, I do think this is a, This is a season that is more complicated and nuanced and more mature. So uh, while I would ding it down a bit in terms of its pure enjoyment or whatever, I think it is as every bit as substantive as the first one, even if it's not quite as hopeful or optimistic consistently through it, because it's telling, as we've already said, a different story. So I'm going to go with the nine and a half on the God meter for season two. Uh, Nathan, what would you give it for the God meter? I do think
6: taking it in this second, helping, um, uh, the, the broad view of season two, it is more mature in what it's attempting, uh, and a bit more nuanced than perhaps season one was. And so I I think I'm going to give it a nine, um, you know i i there, there's almost a case it's too smart for what's on the page and and so sure. honestly the honestly the only thing keeping me from a 10 is is maybe a little more clarity desired here and there uh but okay that's that's a me thing so yeah, yeah nine come right here all
4: right josh bring us home what would you give it for the god meter
8: nathan nathan i can't i can't talk you into a 0.5 hmm. come, <laughs> on, oh, come on man um it's got to be high. I mean, the last one was high for me, so I'll get shoot. We'll give it a ten, man. Why not? Do it, Josh. Do Look it. Do generous it. judge, um, b- because it, it it holds up a mirror, um, mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. and then spits and, in it.
8: Yeah, and then stinking spits in it and makes you go ah. <laughs> <big."> um, <laughs> you know, it. it uh, yeah, it. It makes if uh, to to he who to he to he. To he Who has ears, let him hear um, Mm -hmm. um, or let him see what's inside and what's outside and what old Ted's
4: trying to do uh, to help you be a better person. Um, So, yeah, I give it. All right. All right. I like it. Um, We give Ted Lasso season two an eight and a half out of ten on the fog meter. And that is in comparison to, I believe we gave season one a full 10, right? Mm -hmm. Can we give that a full Mm -hmm. 10? Um, So season two gets an eight and a half on the fog meter, but I think it's still fairly safe to say. Um, I know I'll speak for myself and then I'll ask you, Nathan, and then you, Josh, I still recommend Ted Lasso season two. It did not take a nosedive for me to where I would not recommend the show. I think it does deliver something that's very different from season one in terms of, you know, what you're after, but it's still, it's still something that I cannot wait uh, for season three to come back for. So I strongly recommend it. Nathan, do you recommend it? Absolutely. I think uh, I, I do think season two has
6: um, the show's lowest lows, none of them too low, but it also transcends with some of the series highest highs. I think, I think it, Agreed. I think, uh uh, while episode one in summary is a bit more consistent uh episode two uh delivers with some of the most fantastic elements the show
4: has offered yet yeah no i i I get it josh do you recommend ted lasso season two (laughs) what if he's like nah i do not i thought (laughs) 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 it's yeah
8: wholeheartedly man i love it it's good stuff
4: yeah that's great that's great well man josh Always a pleasure to have you back. Thank you so much, um, and uh, Nathan. Well, we have
6: to there. do Ted future installments just to have Josh back, unless he decides to I join know. us for Werewolves Within or something. If he well, I into mean, that territory.
4: Listen, we are recording on we are recording in the early days of December, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now that towards the tail end of this month, there's going to be another season of a show that we three have conversed about together. Cobra Kai season four. Oh wow, is I didn't coming. Know that. Yeah, uh, Cobra Kai season four is coming this month. So, you didn't get so. the eagle fang. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. get the email.
8: No, I'm uh, on the so newsletter You want
4: subscribe?
8: Sensei Lawrence will find you.
4: He will. He will. He's playing. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing. He's sweep so, I my mean, leg. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, man, listen. The the Help listeners me walk again. see you. the the listeners might see you uh sooner than uh than than you think the listeners might hear you because i think cobra kai season four might might be something we have to reconverse b-side
6: b-side opening of
4: 2022 hey i love it i love it you heard it here first
8: you're poor listeners (laughs) (laughs)
4: You that to them. <laughs> not, oh, at you. not at all, not at all. But no, sincerely, thank you so much. I know it's late where you are. Uh, it's late where you are, Nathan, too, but I don't really care about that because we do this all the time. So, but I just no, but thank you. Friendship. French- <laughs> 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 it's like, wow, you just held up a mirror and spit in it. Um, <laughs> So um, what's next week? (laughs) So next week um, we are going to be venturing. I'm super excited about this. Um, We're going to be venturing uh, to not only to another type of film, another, what saves a century, but a whole other planet. We're going to be venturing specifically to the Planet of the Apes, and if you want to get even more specific than that, we're going to be going to war. Yeah, thanks for that. This is going to keep going forever. See now, you you bring it you bring it right back to my wrestling days because you sound like you're on the way down to the ring. You're getting ready, you know, like you're charging it up. Okay? <laughs> so, but no, seriously, um, we're going to be bringing it to war. For the Planet of the Apes, that is the most recent installment in the massively sweeping uh, Planet of the Apes franchise. So War for the Planet of the Apes is our piece next week. Acquaint yourself (laughs) with that. Um, I think it's fair to say the conversation will be about War for the Planet of the Apes, but we will probably be. I'm watching all three. Yeah, we'll probably be referencing Rise and Dawn as well. Just be aware of that, though. The conversation will be about War for the planet of the apes. See you here next week. As we say on every single episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you again, Josh. Thank you as always, Nathan. And thank you very much as always. Thanks, guys.
6: See you next week. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
3: Hi, everybody!